You ready? 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 Watch out, Grapefruit! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly. And if you want to listen to any of our shows, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify by just searching Missy AE, hit subscribe, and you'll get access to all of our podcasts that we've done in the past and ones that we will have coming up, which, speaking of which, this upcoming Tuesday, we will be joined by Ashley Arcaro of Survivor Samoa, as she will talk about her time in the game, as well as having to live with one of the the most notorious Survivor villains of all time. So, uh, any Survivor fans, you won't want to miss that. Uh, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. But... We're here to talk sports tonight, and we have a lot on the plate. We have NHL free agency as well as a whole bunch of trades uh, to mm-hmm. get into. We got uh, the MLB All-Star uh, game. The, uh, the All-Star selections have officially been, in, been announced as well, and quite frankly, some of them are still being announced with uh, injury uh, replacements. Yeah. Uh, we also... We also have to talk about a very surprise firing, I think. Uh, at least I believe it's a surprise uh, a surprise firing in the in the uh, AL uh, the AL East to talk about. Uh, we also have an update on Deshaun Watson uh, and more. So. Lou, you, you know what? Why don't we get started with NHL free agency? Because, you know, a okay. lot of people weren't sure. A lot of people weren't sure how free agency was going to open up this year. Uh, yeah. With so many, with so many big names under the microscope. Uh, well, let's just put it this way: it started off with a huge bang. Uh, it seemed like. Right, it seemed like right from uh, right from the very beginning, the floodgates basically opened. Uh, yeah, and actually, uh, things started off with a trade between the Boston Bruins and the uh, New Jersey Devils. The uh, the Devils yes. ended up sending uh, the Devils ended up sending Pavel Zacha to the Boston gotcha. Bruins in exchange. In exchange for Eric Howla, uh, the deal is is considered a one for one deal. And honestly, in my opinion, Lou, uh, this is actually a pretty good get for Boston because even though Pavel Zacha is a restricted free agent, uh, yes. which technically Boston, you know, Boston holds his rights now, um, it's not likely that they were going to get the same amount of production out of Eric Howla as they right. would have uh, as they would have this past season. <laughs> and they got uh, let me and they got one of the uh, best players from the from the finals too. They did, yes. Um, but let me let me uh, real quick let me bring in Kyle. Uh, Kyle, oh, yeah. welcome to tonight's show. Uh, 
we're of course discussing NHL free agency. Uh, but right before free agency opened, the Bruins made a big a big trade. In my opinion, it's a big trade. Uh, getting younger at the center position by acquiring Pavel Zacha, uh, while at the same time capitalizing yeah. on the on the uh, the high oh, uh, season that Eric Howla had. So. Uh, have you paid much attention, uh, Kyle, to uh, to the NHL? I, I haven't, unfortunately. Um, it, it's really, uh, yeah, it, it's a wild sure. uh, being down here in Texas. Um, I kind of forget about the NHL just because I'm surrounded by, you know, basketball, football, and so uh, I kind of I've been slacking on my north, more, my northeast roots. Uh, so. Yeah, so I don't really have much, too much input on the NHL right now, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. But, uh, you know, the one, the one thing I can say about this deal, though, is, I mean, you take a look at Pavel Zacha, 15 goals, 21 assists, gotcha. 36 points. He's, he's 25 years old, too. So, uh, I mean, just considering where you're probably looking at him, you're probably looking at him on the third line for the Boston Bruins next year. Uh, Eric Howla, on the other hand, uh, because of the fact that David Krejci uh, was not in Boston this year, uh, he got to spend time primarily on the second line, and he took advantage of it, 18 goals, 26 assists for 44 points. And I guarantee you, if we were, if if the Bruins were to have kept Eric Howla, he probably would not be putting up those points on the third line. So, uh, Lou, I gotta say it's probably a good move for you, for yeah. for, for your yes. New Jersey Devils, because well, they need the moves uh, they can get, man. Because you know they had made in the last ten years they've only made a playoff <laughs> once, and even when they made, they got bounced in a hurry. Yeah. And, you know, the one, the one thing I can say about Howla, he was definitely a late bloomer this year. Like, he really came around late in the season. Uh, he started Hi. off very slow, uh, but he did end up finishing with 44 points, which is, you know, technically you, you can kind of pass that off for a second-line center. Um, yeah. But – uh, neither, needless to say, though, it's, it, it's, it's pretty good for both sides considering it's a one-on-one because at the same time, the Devils don't have to pay uh, Zacha the money that he's probably looking for. Right. However, however, though, this is kind of good for Boston because Zacha actually has a few friends on the Boston squad, and as a matter of fact, he's been living in Boston for the past couple of years apparently. So it kind of seems like this made sense. But uh, let's let's talk about Zacha for a minute, though, because he's a former sixth overall pick of the New Jersey Devils back in 2015. Um, I mean, what what seemingly went wrong out there in New Jersey for Zacha? Is it a, is it a case of uh, they needed to, you know, they didn't think they'd be able to re-sign him? Was it probably not? Uh, was it was it a case of a of a change of scenery? 
I would think it would be a matter of everything because the Devils really just didn't have it this year. So, you know, I think that can cause a problem for a lot of players, too. I mean, they're not doing the surroundings, you know, whatnot. And Sriracha, you know, just didn't seem that comfortable um, with the Devils, I don't think. So I would have to say that, you know, maybe the change of scenery, you know, did kind of uh, trouble him somewhat. But, you know, it happens, it happens though with a lot of players. But some players, I think, can adapt to it better. Right. Yeah, and maybe maybe perhaps a change of scenery is is what he needs, but also at the same time, like you said, the Devils, they've been basically grasping at straws, you know, trying to find uh, whatever sort of... They can't seem uh, to get good draft picks. Uh, you know, their defense was pathetic. When, uh, the coaching, you know, doesn't help much either. I mean, this is not the Devils that we once saw who won three cups in an eight-year period back in the 90s and 2000s. You know, they have, you know, they have gone back to the way they were since, like, uh, oh, the early days from, like, 83 to 87. To sum that up in one word for you, pathetic. And I just like the fact in the yeah. last nine or ten years. Yeah, needless, needless to say, they're not the same New Jersey Devils that, uh, that once, uh, you know that that had the uh, that had Scott. I believe the last time they won was with uh, Scotty Bowman as their coach, wasn't it? Uh, if you're relating to 2003, yes. Yeah, with uh, with Scotty, I think I believe it was Scotty Bowman, uh, and of course Brodeur was their uh, was their goaltender at the time as well. Yes. Uh, well, you know, Kyle, while we have you on the line here, uh, there is a little bit of basketball news that broke, um, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Russell Westbrook apparently has moved on from his agent, uh, apparent, uh, his agent of all 14 years that he's been in the league, uh, that being uh, Thad Foucher of, uh, of Wasserman, and they're citing irreconcilable differences, and normally you would think that this isn't really news, but this is, you know, this is coming on the heels of the Lakers potentially trying to get him traded, and wow, uh, with yeah. and with teams insisting that they put a first round pick along with Russell Westbrook in any deal to send Russell Westbrook out of LA. Uh, and actually one of the, one of the rumored uh, destinations for Westbrook has apparently been Utah, especially yep. if Donovan Mitchell ends up being moved. So uh, Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on that. Could we see a potential trade from, uh, from LA for, for Westbrook? Yeah. I, I mean, this whole entire situation is just is just odd. I mean, even with like you know KD and even Kyrie, just you know I know it's two different players, but obviously you know uh, LeBron, you know as much as people want to say he's like LA GM or whatever you want to call him, I mean it is definitely weird that you just drop your agent of 14 years, somebody who knows you knows your best interest and knows your potential and knows what you want in the league and what are your goals. So that, that is definitely weird. Um, I don't know. It's just a strange off season. And I, I don't know. I think Russell has a lot to prove still. 
Um, I've never been a fan of Russell, honestly. Um, but hey, I, I'm not in the league. I don't make <clears throat> 30 million plus a year. So hey, <clears throat> it, it's your decision, and I, if it's best yeah. for him, he, you know, he, he ultimately he he knows what's best for him. You know, I can say hey, his agent, his best friend, his cousin, whoever it is, he he's a, he's a grown man, and he makes his his he makes his decision. So hey, good good for Russell. I mean, you know, if, yeah. if he needs if he needs to part ways and get the best interest for him and his family or whatever he needs to do, that's on him. So I can't judge him for that. But I will say that this this whole entire saga with I'm I'm gonna play for LA, but then I don't want to, but I do, but I'm gonna opt in, but I'm gonna opt out. It, it it's a it's just a unique, very strange off season, and I think uh, at the end of the day. Um, the NBA is is just weird because it's the one league where guys literally can do whatever they want. Like baseball, no, you just you just call one photo, put his foot down, and say no, I'm not going to sign this contract. You know, um, what kind of idiot would turn down four and twenty million dollars? Right. Yeah, <laughs> we did have I, 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 we did have one player. We did have one player uh, in baseball today, actually. Uh, flat out decline an offer that would have made him right. the richest player in baseball history. But uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, that, that basically goes, goes along with what you were saying, Kyle. Yeah, so, like, it, it's just weird because like, you, you, I mean, I got to stop meeting celebrities. I got to stop meeting athletes, you know, you know, uh, as I sent you a picture, I, I met Kareem and, I wish I, I saw Kareem today and just asked him about, like, what's going on. Like, hey, Kareem, like, what, what do you think is, like, the league is up to right now? Because I think he would, he, he would kind of be disgraced, you know. It, I'm sure if you ask any guys, you know, like John Stockton and Kyle Malone or even MJ saying, hey, like, do you think players have too much power? I think they would say yes. Like, they have way too much power. Like, ultimately, like, what, what does loyalty give you in the NBA? Nothing, because – we we look at John Stockton and Carl Malone as some of the greatest players of all time, but what's their biggest chip on their shoulder? No pun intended. They don't have a ring, so it's like we can't right. we can't bring these people into consideration until you have that silverware, until you have a rock on your finger that says I did it. I don't care if you did it in a bubble. I don't care if you're like Bill Russell who did it with against plumbers and, and like mechanics. Like he still has a living ring. 11 rings, so, like, people obviously will gravitate saying, hey, like, he is one of the best players of all time because he has more, Steve, hey, he has Steve. more rings than yeah. fingers. I'm down in the Bronx at a Yankees bar watching the Yankees game. No, when it comes to rings, it's 8-1 Yankees. When it comes to rings, I mean, Charles Barkley, and, you can't blame someone for not winning a ring. It's a team sport. Right. This is not Yvonne Lendl. Right. This is not Andre Agassi or uh, Boris Becker. It's a team sport. Right. You could be the most badass. Look at Allen Iverson. Tell me Allen Iverson right. does not yeah. deserve 10 rings. Right. The answer, the truth, fearless. I mean, rings are – rings, I mean, people people in the NBA now are ring hopping or they're, they're bar hopping. Right. They're doing something. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go in Miami next year That with the decision with LeBron and those guys, Wade and uh, Bosch. They're like they're like team hopping. It's disgusting. No, right. So the real the so real one. Jordan question. would never leave. Bird Bird would never leave Boston. Right. Jordan never wanted to leave no. Chicago. Hey, if I'm 
I'm going to gun down everyone I can. If I win a ring, I'm going to win a ring with my team. And it's, right. it's sad. It's kind of saturated sports. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so let me ask you a question, guys. Do, do you think as sports fans, um, do you think we put way too much emphasis on rings and not enough on yeah, rings? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, this person – this person led the league in scoring for X amount of years, or this person led the league in assists, or, wow, this person led the league in rebounds. Like, we put way too much emphasis on ranks. Like, ultimately, that's what you want to play for. You're playing for ranks. Oh, there's been, but, a, there's, been a, there's, been a, there's been a shift uh, for whatever reason. I think ESPN, you know, the media powers that be, we're, we're media too, so I love everyone. But right. there's been a shift uh, uh, mentally the last 10 years where it's like, if you didn't win a ring, you're not good. Well, I'm 44. Growing up, like, yeah. to me, like, I'll go to my grave. Dan Marino's a great player. He's a Hall. Oh, he didn't win a ring. A, I was about there to There was some, like, bullshit up. argument was, that started about 10 years ago. If you didn't have a ring, yeah. you're not good. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Like, what Like what? Yeah. Does, like, what does that prove? But besides, like, like your point that you, you brought up, besides the fact that, like, you're a great teammate, you're, you're going to do everything you can team and you're going to put, like, everything on the line for your team. So, like, I don't know. It's just so weird. You know, guys, I don't know. It's just very odd. And and so, for me, as a sport fan, you know, going going back to the wrestle question, heck yeah, I can see, I'll see him getting traded. And, um, you know, it's a matter of time. You know, news will break in a couple weeks, you know, a week or two. And Russell just signed, you know, four years, you know, $115 million contract or whatever you want to say. You know, throw a number out there. Um, yeah, Russell's definitely going to get traded. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, that, that's the sport now. It's like, like you said, we're we're ring tracing. We're we need to get rings to pet our stats. Like, why don't ultimately, like at the end of the day, guess what? At the end of the day, LeBron's going to be the all-time leader in, in scoring. LeBron's going to have his yeah. ring, and, and then what? LeBron's going to retire, and then what are we going to say? And then we're going to look back and say, oh, okay, like, wow, we spent way too much time criticizing LeBron for every little move he did. Why can't we just sit back and like, oh, shit, LeBron is a top five, top ten player of all time. You know, like, we, we, need, to, we need to, as sports fans, just, like, we need to realize, like, we, we, are, we are so lucky to, like, live in a well, generation. We're, we're witnessing greatness. Yeah. I was going to just simply, like, add on to your incredible point. Like, fans are spoiled now. Back in the day, the, my dad, like, growing up in Missouri, he'd listen to, like, Lou Brock yeah. and Stan Musel on his, on his radio in a farm. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, everyone needs a ring. Like, dude, do you know how hard it is to get that level or to I, win a ring? Like, right. You know, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Come on. And people are, like, knocking. People are, like, knocking, like, um. Uh, um, you know, the Ball Brothers. I forget. D'Angelo, right? Yeah. Like, he's oh, yeah. in and out. Everyone, in and everyone, out everyone, 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 everyone now loves to insult people instead of recognizing But I'm like, right. I'm like, how about we, like, like, oh, shit, like, this kid works his ass off to get in the league. Like, like yeah. you can say what do you want about his dad, but, like, he works his ass off. He's in the top, you know, we'll say, we'll say 2% out of every single sport that we have, like, soccer, baseball, and, like, all that. We'll say we'll say two percent, oh, yeah. and that's even high. Like, can you imagine two percent of the population goes pro and cheap? Like, how crazy is that? Can we just admire, like, oh shit, this person works their ass off, and then you know they're <laughs> top of the top, you know? Oh, t- 
to get to that level is so like beyond my my stratosphere. Like the right. the five a.m. the 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 training that the single mom like whatever it is like those kids are working right. so hard. Like you didn't get a ring, right. dude. You're a fucking all star. You're you're playing. You're making nine million a year. You're a champion of me. Like that's it. Yeah, you're winning in life, man. Like you think about it. Think about this. Like if you can wake up every day and do the sport that you love and get paid for it, that's enough. That's enough. You're winning in life. Period. Like think about it. LeBron wakes exactly. up every day and says, "Holy shit!" He says, "Holy shit!" I get to play the game I love, the game I've been playing since I was six years old. Yeah. And I'm making yeah. millions. It's like who wouldn't want that life, you know? <laughs> And then meanwhile, I'll go to a pro-am tournament and, and launch 42 points on uh, players who haven't even played in the NBA oh, yeah. before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, uh, hey Steve, give me a Steve, Steve started, like, jumping yep. rims. Yeah, I was at a, a Yankees uh, bar, like, hanging out with my girlfriend. So I'm going to walk home. I'll be back on, hopefully, I'll, I'll call back in about 20 minutes, okay? All right. Yeah, no problem. All right, brother. I'd love to talk. Keep Steve. everyone online. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you in 20 minutes. All right, bye. All righty. Steve, did you get a chance to, to watch any of the UFC today? I did not, but I heard uh, – uh, what's his oh name? Um, I heard uh, the brother of uh, – oh, God. I, I forget who it was. Um, ended, yeah. up, ended up tearing his ACL. Yeah. So I it, think it, it was. was and, it was a it was a great card. Like honestly, it, it was on. probably one of the best cards of the of the year. I mean, so far. But like, I didn't get a chance to watch every match because I, I was at work, unfortunately. But the, the fights I did watch is incredible. I saw I saw a TKO knockout. I saw um, a rear naked choke um, on Michelle Waters. Uh, she got choked out, and it was just a great match. But it was just a great card, and. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was Herbert a, Burns. Yes, yeah. It was it was Herbert Burns. He ended up uh, something ended up happening uh, where he couldn't uh, he couldn't get back up after um, after he took a kick, he took a kick or something, and he then he ended up grabbing his ankle immediately, and his brother ended up actually having to carry him out of the octagon back to the uh back to the locker room. Oh wow. Now I heard also as well that Misha Tate uh lost her flyweight debut too. Ooh. By uh by unanimous decision. To uh Lauren Murphy who I believe uh I could be wrong but I believe Lauren Murphy um was the flyweight champion for no, she was the the uh, bantamweight champion in Invicta FC, which was uh, which is the uh, what's it called? Um, the sister uh, company to the UFC, and now right. she's uh, she's ranked the she's ranked number three in the uh, UFC women's flyweight ranking uh, as of now. Which actually, this. Wait a minute. Let me see. Who is the flyweight? Yeah, the flyweight champion is Valentina Shevchenko. With a win over over Misha Tate, this could put uh, Lauren Murphy back in line for a rematch. Although 
I mean, Shevchenko knocked her out in the fourth round in the first fight. So, uh, but this could potentially put Lauren Murphy back in the uh, back in there for a potential rematch, from what it sounds like. Uh, we also had, let's see, who was the main event, actually? Uh, no, the co-main event was Amanda Lemos and Michelle Watterson. Watterson has gone, the karate hottie has gone, has gone downhill recently in her, uh, mm-hmm. in her recent fights. And uh, Brian Ortega actually ended up, ended up suffering the loss to Yair Rodriguez after he suffered a early shoulder injury from what it looks like. Uh, so now Yair yeah. Rodriguez, now Yair Rodriguez will face uh, the champion, the featherweight champion uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Mm-hmm. So I'm, try, I'm, you know, I'm, try, I ended up missing uh, the main event, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like his shoulder ended up popping out of its socket when he uh, pulled it when he pulled it away from the armbar attempt. So technically, even though they're calling it a TKO, technically that should be a submission. Sounds like a submission, as opposed to because I mean he he did end he did end up uh, he ended up uh, losing because of the injury. So I don't know if you call that a TKO uh-huh. or if you call that a submission, but they labeled it as a I think TKO. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Kyle? Would you label, uh, you know, having to lose by injury, especially considering when it was off of a submission, would that be labeled a submission or would that be labeled a TKO? So that, that's weird. So it sounds like um, ultimately he, because I didn't, I, I didn't actually get to see the main event either because I was unfor- I was unfortunately. Um, uh, Supporting a flight, but so it sounds like he got submitted and then he got up and then he couldn't go anymore, right? That's what it sounds no, like. No, it was uh, basically uh, the arm bar was applied to him. He <clears throat> never tapped. He never tapped, but as he was trying to get out of the arm bar, he separated his shoulder, basically, oh, and that's oh. what caused the uh, fight to end. So I I would label that as a submission. That's what I would label it as because what what caused the injury was yeah. a submission. It wasn't like he, he he threw a combo and he missed, and then that's when his shoulder popped or or whatever happened to right. his shoulder. It sounded like you know the arm bar. So if I was the ref or you know the the judges on that fight, I would label it as a submission. Um, and go back to the the Michelle Watterson fight, uh, it was it was crazy. So Michelle went in for a takedown and Amanda just uh guillotine ch- choked her. But it was it was odd because when Amanda shot in, Amanda just like wrapped her, her legs around her and just started choking her out. So it was like crazy and then it was very subtle. She just like tapped her on you know, her behind pretty much, but it was like a subtle tap. And then so a lot of like D C even said like, did she tap? And then like Amanda, like was like, yes, yeah, because you know how like when when you don't you don't mean to tap, like you kind of yeah. like resist. Like Mich- Michelle was like, no, like I needed to, I, I was basically gonna get choked, you know. And so it was a good stop, and honestly, it was a great great card from what I saw. And 
Um, I just I just love fights like that. Like love UFC. Um, I'm gonna try to get to the next UFC main event here in um, Dallas. I don't think I'll be able to do it because tickets are outrageous. But hey, one in Rome, right? <laughs> yeah, they are pre- they are pretty. Yeah, I'll we'll do with the Lions. Uh, we'll do with the Romans too. You know, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at her uh, record. She, uh, tonight tonight's loss was her fourth loss in the last five fights. So I'm wondering if perhaps uh, she might be a cut candidate. Yeah, Ooh, I don't uh, think so. Four in your last five, probably. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, but I mean, then again, she is a former challenger uh, to the uh, to the title. Well, actually, no, she didn't challenge the title. It was. That must have been that must have been after Joanna Jendracek lost the lost the title because she lost to Joanna Jendracek, then she lost to Carla Esparza. Uh, she beat Angela Hill, then which she ended up winning fight of the night for that. So maybe perhaps uh, because she has prior performance uh, bonuses, maybe perhaps that might keep her around a little bit longer. Because Dana, if there's one thing Dana loves, he loves fighters who actually bring it. So, um, yeah, right. Michelle Watterson is definitely one of those one of those fighters. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe perhaps uh, she may stay around for a little bit longer. Uh, now there were seven seven different fighters got bonuses tonight. Uh, the performance of the night went to, uh, or one of the performances of the night went to Dustin Jacoby for his knockout over uh, Daun Jung, um, which was a one-punch, uh, a one-punch knockout. Uh, then we had, uh, where is the? Oh, it's a slideshow. No wonder why. Uh, then we had Bill Algeo, who got a performance of the night bonus uh, by. Injuring Herbert Burns like he did. Uh, we got a performance of the night for Ricky Simon uh, facing off against Jack Shore, who had cut, who had came into the fight unbeaten both in his career and in the UFC. So handing Jack Shore his first professional loss tonight uh, got Ricky Simon a performance of the night bonus. Uh, Punahele Soriano also got performance of the night. Uh, for his knockout of Daucha Lungiam Lungiam Bula, I think is how they is how they pronounce mm-hmm. that. Don't try to um, sing yourself. Yeah, I know it's very hard. It's it's very hard to try and uh, announce to try and pronounce some of these names. Uh, yeah, same Li problem with me. Jing, then Li Jing Liang got uh, a performance of the night bonus for his fight against Muslim Salikov, uh, which was pretty much a, a huge scrap uh, from all indications. And Jing Liang ended up uh, pulling off the win in the end. Uh, Amanda Lemos got a performance of the night bonus for her submission of Michelle Watterson. So t- technically, she would have gotten uh, under the old UFC uh, standard. She would have gotten a submission of the night bonus, not performance of the night. But now the UFC, they decided to just loop uh, knockouts and submissions all into one 
categories, which is performance of the night. Uh, and fight of the night went to Matt Schnell and Sue Muderji, where uh, Schnell ended up putting Muderji to sleep with a triangle choke in the second round. But, uh, oh, this sounds like it was a, it was, uh, it sounds like it was one of those, uh, one of the Korean zombie, uh, one of the Korean zombie uh, fights where he basically, oh, yeah. I mean, they call him Korean zombie for a reason, where literally, uh, even even though he barely has any energy oh, left, he's still, he's, he's still throwing punches. But... Maybe he's turning into a zombie. Uh, But not, you know, nonetheless, uh, it sounds like it was a pretty successful night of fights because seven fighters all got uh, fifty thousand dollar checks for uh, for the yeah. performance bonuses. So what are they going to sign uh, I don't know what the ne- let's see what's the next one. The next fight fight uh, fight night is next next Saturday night actually. Uh, with the headliner being Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall, so a matchup of two big uh-huh. boys for this one. And it looks like Alexander Gustafson is coming out of retirement, so that should be very interesting because a lot of people feel that uh, Gustafson beat John Jones all the way back when and got robbed, basically, of a uh, of a UFC light heavyweight title reign. But uh, let us go back into into NHL free agency because uh, we did discuss the uh, yeah. And, and by the way, for anybody for anybody uh, for anybody wondering, the Yankees have uh, pretty much ended this game. Currently up ten yeah. to one in the bottom of the seventh. So just um, the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, needless to say, Sox ain't coming back from this. Um, we did have a whole bunch of movement. Uh, as you know, uh, Lou, Johnny Gaudreau was, uh, was – he surprisingly chose not to re-sign with the Calgary Flames, even though Calgary yeah. gave him the best offer. Calgary gave him the top offer – but apparently, uh, according to multiple sources, his decision, his final decision would have nothing to do with money. Hmm. And he ultimately was down to two teams. It was down to the New Jersey Devils, and it was down to, at one point, uh, at one point people thought it was between the Devils and the Islanders. Then hmm. out of completely out of left field came the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what would possess him to sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all, uh, my understanding is the Philadelphia Flyers were his number one team, you know, the number one team he wanted to sign with. And Philly could have had him if they had just picked up, if they had just picked up the phone and called his agent. Yeah. 
is my understanding is that he would have taken he would have taken a discount and Philadelphia for some reason just was not interested in him. But uh he yeah. did sign a six year deal worth about wait a minute, no. No, sorry, I'm sorry. That's his old deal. So he signed a seven year deal worth about sixty eight million dollars or I think it's sixty eight and a quarter million actually with the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, which includes uh, a no-movement clause for the first four years of the deal, and then he has a modified no-trade clause for the final three years of the deal. Uh, He will become a free agent officially in 2029. Uh, His average salary comes to about nine-and-three-quarter million dollars. For a I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's a huge loss for Calgary because this is a dude who's coming off of a career year, 115 points, 40 goals, yeah. 75 assists. The thing that gets me is why the if you're if, if you're a player like Johnny Gaudreau, why the hell would you want to sign with Columbus? You want to talk about a team that, you know, has been in flux for, so, for, for the last couple of years. I mean, this year they finished, I believe they were sixth in the uh, Metropolitan Division with uh, 81 points, a 37-38-7 and seven record overall. Now, I you know, I just just from looking at where Columbus stands right now, they have Johnny Gaudreau, uh easily their top offensive option. Um he joins the likes of Jacob Boracek, uh Oliver Oliver Bjorkstrand, Gustav Nyquist, uh among the among the top offensive options on Columbus. And I mean, it's just I, I, you know, I kind of get maybe maybe they would add a, they wanted to add a, easily the best player on the free agent market, yeah. but I mean, he's 29 years old. You know, you have a lot of your offensive options are older, like Voracek and Nykvist are both 33 years old. Um, so, you know, eventually at some point they're going to probably start to drop off uh, in terms of uh, production. Yeah. And they, they, the thing is, too, they still have to pay Alexander Wenberg uh, when they bought out his contract. So they're still uh, – they're throwing out about a million dollars to him. Uh, let me look. Where is their – what is their cap right now? I – do not know what their cap is. But, you know, needless to say, they must be expecting that uh, they're going to move either Boracek or Nykvist or maybe even I – don't, I don't think they would move Bjorkstrand because Bjorkstrand is still relatively young. Uh, I would assume that there has to be some sort of other move 
that's going to be uh, coming out of Columbus in the next uh, in the next couple of days or so because they have to they have to move uh, money in some in some sort of fashion. Uh, what what are your thoughts, Lou? The fact that New Jersey, uh, you know, they had the opportunity to potentially get Johnny Gaudreau, and uh-huh. they get and, and instead. And instead, he goes to Columbus, who nobody even had the thought of him potentially going to. Yeah, that's yeah, going to be a tough break for the Devils. I mean, what do they expect out of the Blue Jackets? The Blue Jackets are, you know, are, are, are a dumpster fire at that best. And that is not a smart move there. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to go backwards, backwards in his career with this because I don't see anything coming good out of the Blue Jackets. Well, I don't know if his career will go backwards. You know, I don't think he's going to be contending for the playoffs anytime soon. But I think he's, you know, he's still going Forget to get the his playoffs. numbers. He's still going to get his numbers, though. You know, he's going to be, he is going to be worth the contract that they signed him to. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same at the same time, though, you know, unless they mm-hmm. unless they make unless they make some more moves. You know, there. This is still not a contending team for the Stanley Cup. You can say that again. <laughs> uh, now, one of the things we did talk about was what the Rangers were going to do in free agency uh, because they had multiple they had multiple free agents this year uh, coming off potentially coming off of their books. Uh, they did lose. Two of their big name free agents. Uh, remember, we talked about. Remember, we talked about whether or not they'd be able to keep Cop or Strom. You know, they'd have to choose between the Strom's two. Gone. Well, apparently, gone. apparently, yeah, both of them are gone. Not yeah. just Strom, but Cop also, because Cop ended up signing a five-year, twenty-eight and twenty-eight and an eighth. So it's like twenty eight point one two five million dollars. Uh, you mean Conco, right? The Detroit, huh? Conco. They still have Conco right now, I believe, because he's restricted. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because he's restricted. But uh, Andrew Cop, uh, basically, he's going to be making up to oh, five million dollars per year right. with the uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. And you know the Red, the Red Wings, of course, were not done because they uh, yeah. they did a couple more things. They brought back Olimata uh, to, or they signed Olimata to a one year deal worth about two and a quarter million. Uh, they also signed David Perrin, formerly of the St. Louis Blues, to a two year yeah. nine and a half million dollar deal. And they also brought in Dominic Kubalik, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, signing him to a two-year, $5 million deal as well. So the Red Wings were definitely uh, – they also signed Mark Pissick to a, uh, to a deal worth the veteran minimum as well. So uh, the Red Wings were definitely one of the more active – uh, members of the free agent market so far this year. Um, and you know what? There's one thing we forgot to discuss last week, Lou. Uh, yep. And that was 
Alexander Georgiev finding a new oh, home yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Colorado Avalanche. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. And in particular, he has now signed a three-year deal with the Avalanche after uh, mm-hmm. a three-year deal worth an, worth an average annual value of about $3.4 million. And this was after he was acquired uh, by the Avalanche from the Rangers in exchange for three draft picks. Mm. And now, uh, because of this, the Avalanche have now moved on from Darcy Kemper as a result. Yeah. So, Alexander Georgiev, I, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, Lou, uh, of, you know, Georgiev being traded and now – the Rangers have replaced him with Yaroslav Halak, who they signed right. to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. I don't like it. I mean, we, he, he'd be great for us. And I wouldn't losing him. I don't think it's a good trade. But he helped us up in the regular season and the playoffs, and it'd be a shame to lose him. So uh, I'm not, I'm not happy with that at all. And also, I should note as well, Alexander Georgiev requested the trade. He wasn't traded on, uh, you know, he wasn't traded against his uh, against his will. He's the one who requested well, the trade. Well, thanks a lot, dumbass. So, uh, the Rangers, though, they did, they did uh, still get to work as well because they signed Vincent Trocek to a seven-year deal that is a worth about – Worth about thirty nine and and uh, close to thirty nine and a half million dollars, mm-hmm. and I can tell you right now, just from uh, some of the people I've talked with, a lot of people were surprised at the uh, at the depth the depth of some of these deals that that have been signed in free agency this year. There were a lot of seven year deals. The seven year deals, that's for sure. But uh, Vincent Trocek, though, uh, he comes over to the Rangers from the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, 21 goals, 30 assists, 51 points. A good replacement for Andrew Kopp and also losing Dylan Strom as well. Uh, he was He's also a playoff performer as well, as he had six goals and four assists in, uh, in 14 games for the <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes in the playoffs this year. So I mean, Lou, you got you got to be pretty happy about you got to be pretty happy about that acquisition. That I am. That's the better acquisition. <laughs> no, you can't win them all. Now let me see. Where did Strom go to? Um, well, that's a big loss for Strom. I think Strom is a big loss. Strom ended up going to – oh, no, wait a minute. That's Dylan Strom. Uh, Dylan Strom, after the Blackhawks didn't give him a qualifying offer, he signed with the Capitals to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. Let me see. Oh, that's right. He has I a think brother. Ryan, I, that's right. I think, I think Ryan Strom may still be a free agent right now. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, wait. Nope. Actually, no, he your... signed with the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Five years, five years, twenty-five million dollars with the Anaheim Ducks, and 
Strom had pretty identical numbers to Andrew Kopp, 21 goals, 33 assists this year for 54 points uh, with the New York Rangers. And he has now moved on to inevitably be the Ryan Getzlaff replacement for the Anaheim Ducks, uh, with Getzlaff, of course, retiring this year. You know, needless to say, Lou, these are two huge losses by the New York Rangers here. Um, and you know, just just looking at some of the other some of the other bits over here as well. Darcy Kemper, he did find a new home, signing a five year deal yep. worth about twenty six and a quarter million dollars with the Washington Capitals. Uh, they also signed Charlie Lindgren, uh, the Capitals did, okay. to a three-year, $3.3 million deal. And everybody, you know, people may be wondering, well, what about Ilya Samsonov? You know, what about Vitek Vanacek? Well, it's yeah. funny that you bring that up because Ilya Samsonov decided to ditch the uh, Washington Capitals, and instead sign a one-year, $1.8 million deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, my co-host will be happy about that. Mm -hmm. So so get this, Lou. He had a 23-12-5 record. Oh, okay, this might might explain why the low contract. A 3.02 goals against average and an 89. Yeah, that explains it an 89.6% save percentage in 44 games. So while he had a, while he had a good record, uh, he sucked when it came to stopping shots. So that kind of explains why the low, uh, the low contract number, but still, yeah. you know, it's very surprising, Lou, the fact that Washington they basically decided to completely overhaul their, uh, you know, their entire goaltending yeah. tandem, you know, uh, moving away from Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov, and instead deciding to sign Stanley Cup winner Darcy Kemper, as well as Charlie Lindgren, who, by the way, I, uh, I ended up seeing play for the Springfield Thunderbirds just this past season. So, and might I might I add, it's actually a very good player that the Capitals are getting in Lindgren. Lindgren is definitely uh, backup worthy uh, for for their liking. So it's definitely definitely well worth the investment for uh, for Washington moving forward. Um, let me see. And, and, you know, obviously, of course, with uh, with the Avalanche bringing in uh, Alexander Georgiev like they did, that basically that basically marked the end of Darcy Kemper as soon as he was brought in, essentially. Uh, let me see. Where did Vanacek go to? Vanacek went... Hang on a minute. Ah, okay. Vanacek went to New Jersey. So mm-hmm. this was a draft. This was a draft night trade. Uh, 
New Jersey acquired Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals in exchange for the 37th overall pick and the 70th overall pick. So basically the second and third round picks of this year's draft, while New Jersey also got the 46th pick as part of the deal. Uh, Vanacek this year was 20-12-6 with a 2.67 goals against average and a save percentage of 90.8%. So it looks like the goaltending tandem for New Jersey this year will be Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek. And it sounds like there is a distinct possibility that Vanacek could potentially win the starting job uh, this year for the Devils away from Blackwood. Where are they going to go Blackwood? And also, you know, not just uh, the Devils weren't just dipping into free agency. They also hired a new coach, uh, an associate coach, Andrew, Bur- yeah. Andrew Brunette, who uh, people may remember him as being the interim head coach for the Florida Panthers this past year after Joel Quenville had to step down because of uh, the allegations that came out surrounding the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Um, And he was a finalist, actually, for the Jack Adams Award after the Panthers posted a 51-18-6 record uh, when Brunette took over. So here's the thing that I'm wondering, Lou. Why is – why is Brunette being hired as an associate coach and not as a head coach after posting that kind of a record with yeah, the Panthers kind of last year so, as I mean, their head coach? I think, he'd be, I think he'd be worthy of getting a head coaching job and necessarily for being an assistant, you know, after taking over as the team that had such a horrible start. I mean, give the credit where credit is due, man. I mean, you, yeah, I you am that far I, I'm I'm assistant coach. What is wrong with you? Exactly. Well, he's not exactly an assistant. He's an associate coach, which is basically the uh, the step right below being a head coach. So, uh-huh. in all honesty, in all honesty, he's probably being paid like he was a head coach. But oh, okay. Uh, but they have him as an associate, which is basically how do I put it? He's basically like. The uh, like the NHL version of a bench coach. Uh huh. I get it. So, so like when you know when when the head coach gets 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 ousted from the game or something, usually the bench coach is the one that takes over the uh, the coaching duties, and so on and so forth. But uh, it still kind of puzzles me though that Brunette didn't uh, didn't get consideration for a head coaching job. Especially yeah, considering, that's uh, especially considering San Jose is still looking for a coach. Mm. So that kind of that kind of surprises me, right? Uh, right, right here. Uh, yeah. When I heard this news, uh, there was also a deal that was done by New Jersey today, as. New Jersey shipped Ty Smith and a third-round pick in next year's draft to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange. Yep, in exchange for John Marino. Uh, Smith has one year remaining on his entry-level deal, while Marino comes with a $4.4 million cap hit. Uh, Smith had five goals and 20 points in 66 games uh, with the 
New Jersey Devils last year, although he did struggle defensively. Uh, he still does have room for growth, though, at the age of 22. Uh, Marino had a goal and 25 points in 81 games while averaging 20 and a half minutes last season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he's also young as well, uh, 25 years old. He does come with a $4.4 million cap hit through the 2026-2027 season. So needless to say, Lou, they got somebody uh, that is definitively under team control for – and also uh, one thing that kind of makes me think too is this could be the P.K. Subban replacement. Because PK Subban is a free agent, so I'm beginning to think that maybe perhaps maybe perhaps that is why they acquired Marino, yeah, because of the fact because of the fact that PK Subban is a free agent, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like maybe perhaps New Jersey isn't interested in uh, re-signing him. I would say not. But but still, though, Ty Smith is the more affordable option uh, amongst both teams in this deal, considering the fact he has one season left on his on his rookie-level deal. So uh, right. needless to say, though, it's, it's definitely a good deal for both sides. Uh, Pittsburgh was not done, though, because Pittsburgh then acquired Jeff Petrie and Ryan Poling today from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Mike Matheson. And here's what I don't get. So in exchange for Mike Matheson, and they also get a fourth round selection. And Petrie wanted to be dealt. Petrie wanted to be dealt for family reasons. Here's the thing that I don't. Petrie had a bit of a down year this year with six goals and 21 assists when normally he's known for double digits and goals. But, how do you settle on just a fourth-round pick if you're going to acquire yeah. a draft pick for him? You know, it, yeah, it, seems, it, it seems, if anything, Pittsburgh came out with a steal in this one. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Lou? Because, uh, honestly, I would have looked at at least a second-round pick coming back. Yeah, I mean, what does uh, a fourth-round pick? What do you going to get with a fourth-round pick, really? I mean, that should have went higher. So, uh, this was not this was not a smart move here. Don't even for a fourth-round pick. Yeah, that's, what, that's what's very surprising to me, is the fact that Petrie, you know, uh, he's known for being a consistent over-40-point producer on defense. Yeah. Uh, he does come with a massive cap hit, though, so I'm wondering if maybe perhaps it is team-controlled, though. Uh, well, it's six, it's six and a quarter. Cap hit, that could six, be a reason. Give me a factor. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's six, six and a quarter million cap hit for, for each of the next three seasons. Um, I see, I see. You know, they did get Matheson, though, in this deal. Uh the Canadians got Matheson, who had 11 goals and 20 assists in 74 games for Pittsburgh this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I just don't – and he is going to see his playing time increase now that he's with Montreal. 
Uh, plus, he's a younger option compared to Petrie. And he does still kind of have a little bit of a cap hit. So if anything, the Canadians did save about $2 million on the cap with this deal. The only thing that bugs me, though, is I honestly feel that they, I feel that they sold low on Petrie. Yeah. Like they could have gotten, I mean, yeah, they, they still could have gotten Matheson, but I, I believe the pick should have been at least a second round pick to go along with it. But maybe, maybe perhaps, you know, they, maybe perhaps they wouldn't just trade, uh, you know, player for player and they insisted on getting at least something else in return along with Matheson. And they decided, well, fine, we'll take a fourth round pick if that's all you're going to give us because we need to get rid of this guy's cap hit. But, uh, I mean, it's a solid pickup. Honestly, it's a steal probably for Pittsburgh who's looking to – uh, to try and make one more Stanley Cup run with Evgeny Malkin and uh, Sidney Crosby, so yeah. uh, it's definitely a huge uh, a huge get for them. This would be it, I think. Yeah, yeah. If they're, if they're gonna make a, if they're gonna make one more Stanley Cup run, this year's the year to do it. Yeah, considering gonna be all a, of the. Yeah. Uh, considering all the all the stuff that they've done. But uh, age. yeah, obviously, and and you know that's the that's the thing that still pisses me off because this this I keep remembering that John Henry is the new owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and what really pisses yeah. me off is the fact that uh, he's willing to spend money to bring back players to the Penguins, yet he's not willing to spend the money to make sure that Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers are locked up long-term for the Boston Red Sox. That is really, it's really what pisses me off. Oh, and looks like Carpenter has the opportunity. I, I think if he hits a grand slam here, it'll be 10 RBIs on the night and three homers. Yeah, too, Cause I think he's homered twice tonight. So is judge. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, Judge has Judge has launched two shots um, yeah. as well. Do you think he's going to break the Yankee record? Uh, Judge, I mean, he's yeah. got 33 already. Yep. What's the What's the record? 61. Uh, let me see. I, I mean. I mean, depending on depending hey, hey. on whether or not he whether or not he can stay healthy. Val. I mean, let me see what is, how many games have they gone through already? Because considering uh, uh, you know, considering he stays healthy, maybe yeah. there could be a possibility. Uh, assuming he continues at the same pace that he's at right now, so. So today is their 91st game. Good. So with about with about 71 games to go, 
it's doable, but especially yeah. if Judge has more, has especially if Judge has more big games ahead of him, it's definitely doable. And there's a, there's our fucking bullpen right there. Nice job. Walk in, walk in the bases loaded. Just to just keep embarrassing yourselves. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely doable for Judge, and it's if he does get it, he's gonna imagine the massive contract. He's already commanding a massive contract in free agency as it is. Imagine the contract he's gonna demand in free agency if he ends up uh, breaking the Yankee record. I mean that's. And it's already, it's already going to be massive enough as it is. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One other move that the Red Wings did. They also they also acquired Ville Husso uh, from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for the seventy third pick in the draft, which was uh, a third rounder that ended up going to St. Louis. Huso average will average about four and three quarter million dollars over the next three seasons for the Red Wings. And it sounds like he is the prohibitive favorite to start over Alex Netokovich at this time. Uh, Huso was 25, seven and six with a 2.56 goals against average and a 91.9 save percentage this year for St. Louis. So, Here's the thing I don't get, Lou. Twenty-five, seven, and six, a two-point-five-six goals against average, and a ninety-one-point-nine save percentage, and you can only get a third-round pick for him. Yeah, that's some wrong decision. I mean that—that's that's that's, uh, that's uh, elite level goaltending. Yeah. That that Detroit is acquiring here. Yeah. Well, what do you want? Detroit. I mean, go figure. They haven't done much in the last six years. I mean, yeah, but it's – it's. they only had to – this is a steal for Detroit. They only had to give a, a third-round pick for a guy mm-hmm. who had a career year with St. Louis this past year. I mean, my God, you know, what – you know, I talk about I talk about uh, Petrie needing at least a second round pick. I would think, if anything, Huso could have commanded at least a second round pick going back sure. to St. Louis with those with those numbers. All right. Uh, also elsewhere, the Philadelphia Flyers they acquired defenseman Tony D'Angelo, mm-hmm. who they then signed mm-hmm. to a two year extension uh, worth about five million per season. Uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a fourth-round pick uh, in this year's draft, as well as a third next year and a second in 2024. Uh, They also gave up a seventh-rounder as well, and now they have a defenseman who can finally run that power play for the Philadelphia Flyers, who had 10 goals and 51 points last season in 64 games for the Carolina Hurricanes. So definitely a huge get for the Philadelphia Flyers. Although one of my friends in sports whispers, he honestly couldn't give a shit for some reason, even though he's a Philadelphia right. fan. And um, they get another one. 
man, Jesus. I, I honestly, honestly, Lou, this Red Sox team is embarrassing. I, I don't know what I know. I know about this team. Uh, you know, at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they even won last night against the New York. Honestly, so I would be looking if I, if I'm. I mean, of course, of course, I want them to go to the. Uh, you know, I want the Red Sox to go to the playoffs and whatnot, but I'm being realistic here. I want if they're not going to re-sign uh, Xander Bogarts, I want them to trade him at the deadline. Yeah. I don't want any of this. Uh, you know, I don't want them trying to make the playoffs if they're if we're gonna have more shit games like we have right now. Yeah. I was I was not expecting this at all because you know how the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, have always played each other. You know, they always play each other competitive. They're rivals. They know each other all too well. When I, so this game is a bit shocking. It is. Well, I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't I shouldn't say the beatdown is shocking because let's face it, this is you know probably what the best team in the league, New York, uh, with their with their lost the records. So, so you know, I I I wouldn't say this beatdown is really shocking, com- considering our pitching staff and how poor it is. But you know, I just <laughs> I you know, if there's uh, I've heard so many people say, oh, the Red Sox just need a just need a few more additions, and, th- and then they'll be uh, you know then they'll, then they'll be ready for the playoffs. No, this team isn't making the playoffs. No. This team, this team is about to get bounced actually from uh, from the wild card right now. In the in in the span of a of a week, they went from being one and a half up in the wild card to being two and a half back in the wild card race. Hmm. Well, it's still doing you know, at this. It's still doable, but it's only if the Red, only if the Red Sox don't, you know, if they, if they stop doing what they're but doing right now. Because crap. I mean, pretty much the Red Sox need an upgrade at almost every single position. If I'm being honest, I mean, they need a center fielder, they need yeah. a right fielder, they need a first baseman, they need a backup catcher. Because let's face it, uh, Kevin Kowalski oh. can't hit for shit. Uh, they need a right-handed reliever and they need a starting pitcher. So, you know, it's wow. just you guys are in big trouble. And consi- exactly. And considering what uh, John Henry said, uh, owner John Henry, uh, when he was interviewed, he said, "Well, we are in roster building mode." That to me screams you're in a rebuild. That 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 screams to me that you're expecting you're a in rebuild. Trouble. And that uh, basically, basically, what he's then gonna do is he's then gonna, uh, you know, drive up ticket prices while trying to put together a competing team on the field. Even though yeah. Red Sox fans have seen this, have seen this uh, one too many times, where you know John Henry. I mean, it's obvious right now that all he all he cares about is Liverpool, uh, Liverpool soccer, and uh, the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins right now. As opposed to caring about 
as opposed to caring about the team that made him all of those billions of dollars that he has. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, he, Alex, he, Alex, we've added you back forgot. on. Alex, oh, yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing you said that. That touched upon uh, what I was about to say. Like, the the money that he made, the, the loyalty, that the people that made him money, he doesn't even care about now. He's going to rampage. Yeah, it's weird. It's obvious. Weird. It's it's obvious. Like he hasn't cared. He hasn't cared for quite some time. Uh, ever since they split up with Lucchino, with uh, with Larry Lucchino mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Uh, oh yeah. It's it's been it's been obvious that John Henry has not given a shit for quite a while. And I mean, yeah, we won in 2018. But I mean, you look at that 2018 Red Sox team. That Red Sox team was absolutely stacked. There was no team that was yeah. beating them that yeah. year. We we. We, we could we could uh, coach that team to a ring. They were stacked. They they were destined. Yeah, and then they decide. You know what? We're not. Uh, we don't want to pay Mookie Betts. So let's sell off Mookie Betts. And honestly, they got mm. absolute shit in return. Like maybe the only usable person they got out of that whole deal was Verdugo. Uh, Jeter Downs hasn't hasn't shown anything in his time up here, uh, and Connor Wong has been back and forth between uh, Major League Baseball and Triple uh, yep. A. So, oh, hang on, real quick. Uh, this is something that's a little bit of breaking news. It's kind of minor in NBA, but I'm actually very happy about this. Uh, the Boston Celtics have officially signed big man, uh, big center, Mifiandu Cabangale to a two-way contract after he had a very big showing for the Boston Celtics in the in the uh, sure. summer league. All right. So okay. Uh, this this is definitely a uh, I, I definitely like this move by Boston, especially with them having problems uh, trying to find big men. And I told I even yeah. told my uh, I told my I told my friend uh, when we were discussing uh, the summer league <laughs> earlier this week. I said if there's one person I want to see them sign, it has to be Kevin Gallagher because uh, the first couple of games he was literally averaging a double double. So, but anyways, anyways, so back to John Henry. Uh, yeah, considering the absolute shit fest that Boston is putting out there tonight, uh, it's abundantly clear that they're going to need more than just one or two moves in order to even be considered contenders. Uh, at this point, it, uh, especially with the report from Buster Olney uh, saying that the odds are getting slimmer and slimmer in regards to Boston yeah. possibly coming to an agreement with Xander Bogarts on a new deal, which yeah, tells me they, one thing that Bogarts is out of here. Yeah, Steve, that tells me one thing from an outside uh, perspective. Is it whatever fan I am? I, yeah, they're they're caught. In, we were talking about this the last couple of weeks. Uh, you, me, and Louis. Um, they're caught in that. Like, should I stay or should I go? Am I getting fired? Am I going? Am I getting promoted? Like. That team needs to tell the deported or they're they're they are not they are not going to the ALCS. You better get a dollar on a dime while you can. Okay. Yes. 
And you know, I hate to not say winning. that considering I'm a huge considering I'm a huge fan of Bogarts ever since yeah, he course. ever I since course. he debuted with the Sox. Why don't they pony He's up out. Cam? I mean, they had no problem trading Mookie Betts. You know, they certainly shouldn't have a problem trading Xander Bogarts. No. Because they didn't want to pay Mookie. Now they don't want to pay Xander. And uh, Rafael Devers, you know, he, they're lucky he has one more year on his deal because they don't want to pay uh, Devers. No. So, and you know, uh, John Henry, John Henry even admitted it by saying that we're, we are currently in roster building mode. So basically what you're telling your fans subliminally is that you are uh, prepared to be headed for a massive rebuild, essentially. It's called, you're learning how to be a GM. I've never heard that phrase. Yeah. In a roster rebuild. Yeah. You don't say that because then the players believe it. Everyone's leave Boston. You never say that as a GM. No. Well, no, of course not. But he, you know, he said he, he said literally during an interview. I think it was on WEEI or maybe it was with uh, the Boston Globe. Yeah. I forget which. Them. But he had said. But he said basically we are in roster building mode, which can be taken one of two ways. It could be like okay. So you want to see what you can what you can put together to put to put together a competitive team now and moving forward, or the other option being we're looking at who we can potentially deal to you know bolster our future while sacrificing the present. Sure, it's a fine line. I mean, as a GM, you have to. You have to walk on both sides of the road. I mean, it's a precarious position, but, hey, I mean, that guy's making a couple million a year. I hope he can make a good decision. Yeah. And I, I just I just have a bad feeling, though, uh, that, yeah. you know, even though, even though, like I said, I love Xander Bogarts. I, I, I've loved him as a player ever since he came up uh, to the bigs. But Boston right now, they're they're in fourth place right now and granted they're only a half game back of the wild card uh but but it's not it's not it's not getting any easier it's not going to get any better yeah exactly and considering their record against al east teams which keep in mind they face the al east the most out of every uh out of every other uh division so they still have a shitload of games against the al east to to uh to play yeah, and and their record and their record is absolutely horrific within the division. That's <laughs> one. So, you know, it's at at this point, I'm looking at I'm looking at it like this. You're just gonna you're gonna have to do a rebuild. I mean, it's it's. I know I know they've said yeah, well like a, this well this city like today. Uh, it's like uh, today or tomorrow, now now or later. Like either way, you got to do it. Yeah, it's up to you when you want to do it, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like what the Boston Bruins said. Uh, Boston Bruins management. Boston Bruins management said, "Well, this uh, this city can't stand a rebuild. Uh, you know these, these right. fans are so rabid. 
These fans are so right. rapid that, yeah. that, that, that they won't take a rebuild. And yet you have Boston Bruins fans who are literally screaming at, <laughs> at management, start a rebuild. So if they, if they think that Boston fans won't be able to sit through a rebuild, we'll be able to sit through a rebuild, but only if you guys can actually do it right. Exactly. Now, that, that's obviously, that's the key to any rebuild, if there's the right people in charge. Anyone can own a minor league baseball team in Bridgeport. Oh, yeah, blow it up. Well, you have to build it back together. Yeah. Called the blow, it's, it's called a build back because you got you, now you're in charge of building it back. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Step aside. Someone else is going to do it. So you can rebuild and the thing on the that obviously, or you can the rebuild thing that obviously doesn't rebuild on the fly. Make a couple trades. Yeah, I mean you can do that, but I mean honestly, for this club, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than a couple of trades to to fix what's okay. wrong with yeah, this right, club, right? Um. I mean, there's you know, there's a shit ton. They need a bullpen. They need uh, they need a rotation. They need a couple they of uh, a couple a of position players. They yeah, they need they need a ton of a ton of additions. Well, and I, honestly, what, I don't think I they love, can make I love, those. I love, I love the uh, I love the new uh, leadoff hitter Duran, the rookie, and then I love um, Cheater Downs, and then they have uh, the best first first baseman prospect in baseball. Wait in the minors. That's how you rebuild. Face the team. Yeah. Bring up Pawtucket. Bring up bring up Pawtucket. Bring up Triple S. Well, problem is Casas is injured because otherwise, I believe instead of calling up Connor Wong like they did today to replace Trevor Story, oh, I feel terrible. they would have. I, I feel they would have. Uh, they would have called up Casas by now if he wasn't injured. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got to be yeah. system. Show the world. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he's uh, – Casas, before his injury, he was tearing up AAA. So – Oh, he's, he hit three home runs in the, uh, what, Olympic World Series or uh, Futures All-Star game. He's one of the best young guys yeah. in the world. He's waiting in the wings. Yeah. So, it's – I mean, he's definitely a better option than uh, – you know, I, I know people will say, but he hasn't had any experience – He's a better option than than Bobby Dalbeck is right now at first. Oh, Dalbeck can't hit a beach ball. He's fucking future. How he got twenty homers last year, I'll never know. But uh, you know, he's basically one of those one of those players that it's either a home run or a strikeout. I mean, it was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. Just the other night, I said. I yeah. predicted it. Like bases bases loaded for Bobby Dalvik. I think it might have been last <laughs> night actually. Bases bases you, you loaded for Bobby Dalvik. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it I knew it was a strikeout. Even though it even though it looked like it was uh it was a three to one count, I said just watch. These next two these next two pitches are gonna be strikes. Now, granted the next two pitches exactly weren't strikes. Uh but one of them was a strike, the others he kept fouling off. But I'm like, just wait. This he's going to strike out to end this uh, to end this at bat. I know I know uh, Bobby Dalbeck all too well. And lo and behold, what does he do? Strikes out. He, 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 he definitely yeah. got the book on uh, Bobby D. <laughs> it's 
it's, it's pathetic, honestly. Uh, some of the at bats in crucial situations, might I add, that he's uh, that he's been a part of. Oh, but at least you got a Cordero playing first pitch. <laughs> oh, That's please! Terrible. What is going on there? Cordero, really? Cordero shouldn't even be a first baseman. He 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 needs to be in the outfield, like like uh, you he know, like they acquired him for. He's not even, maybe not even a professional hitter. And now he's playing first base for the Boston Red Sox? Terrible. They acquired him to be in the outfield thing. Yeah. Like seven pieces ago. Now he's playing first base. Are you kidding me? It's like a softball I mean, there, You know, there's, there's just a, there's a shit ton of, uh, of things wrong with this team. I mean – the huge problem here is, you know, they have they have a whole bunch of money dedicated to Chris Sale, and he's of course injury prone. So I his, think that's partially his, he has why. One arm. I think I, his, his arm, yeah. his left arm fell off. So I think that's partially why. Uh, that's partially why John Henry doesn't want to commit to a long term deal with any other player because of that. Even though technically Xander Bogarts is under contract for like until like 2026, he is going right. to opt out at the end of this year. So because that's when his opt out year is is uh, free agency this year, he will opt out because he can he can definitely make right. more than the 20 million he's making right now. Uh, JD Martinez, he's a he's a free agent at the end of the year. I would expect they may pro- if they're at the point where they're sellers. I look at it I look at it like this: Bogarts is gone, Martinez is gone, Eovaldi is gone. Uh, let's see, Kike Hernandez is a free agent. Nah, they might keep Kike because I don't think anybody will. Uh, with him being injured, I don't think anybody will will look at acquiring him. No. You see, here's here's the thing. A lot of players that are free agents this year are injured right now for Boston. Right. I mean, Michael Waka. Michael Waka is injured. Kike Hernandez is injured. Rich Hill. Well, Rich Hill will probably retire anyways. I mean, he's he's yeah. like a dinosaur at this point. Um, I, I love old people. He's, he's about yeah, eighty-seven years old. I love people. I mean, there's just, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so many players right now that, um, yeah, that are complete question marks, you know, whether or not they'll stay or go. Here's the thing about Duran. Uh, you said, uh, you know, he's of course the new leadoff uh, hitter. I hope they keep Duran. I know Duran is, I know Duran is very attractive to teams for potential, uh, a potential mm-hmm. trade piece. No, I hope no, to God they keep Durant. You cannot trade him. No, he is under team control for two more years before he goes into arbitration. Well, he's the future. He's got to learn how to hit a breaking ball. But he's long, six uh, four, lefty, great center fielder. I mean, that's a great scouts. Scouts love a guy like that guy. We got to give him two years to develop. Yeah, I think he's actually uh, he might be approaching the team leader in stolen bases right now. I think that's that's an old. We're talking even Euclid and uh, mm-hmm. Millar and Miller. Like 
no offense, Ortiz. It was never a fast team. Duran's like a fast athlete. That's a nice uh, top-of-the-order yeah. guy to have in Boston. Right. But, yeah, you know, the way I look at it right now for Boston, uh, J.D. Martinez, he's a free agent. He's probably gone. Uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if they if, – if, if they uh, if if they find themselves as sellers at the deadline, I would be surprised if they don't move him. Ivaldi, uh, they've already shown hesitance uh, to offer him a new deal, so he's probably gone. Um, yeah, I mean, let's face it, the Red Sox have shown a hesitance to offer anybody a new deal on this team. What is that? They're, they're like all billionaires. What is going on in Boston? <sighs> You know, I it, it, it's it, it, I think I think the the big thing is is John Henry, the owner. You know, he's made so many. He's been burned so many times by big contracts that he signed, like Pablo Sandoval being one of them. You know, he signed him <laughs> to a huge deal, no, and no. Sandoval decided. And Sandoval decided that he would rather visit the Boston buffets as opposed to uh, playing like he did <laughs> mm-hmm. in San Francisco. He, he, um, he, got, he, he got married to the uh, Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean, the, literally the highlight of his Boston Red Sox career was on Monday Night Baseball, or yeah, on Monday Night Baseball against the Yankees when he did when he made a swing and his belt buckle came undone. Like they literally focused on his belt buckle. During uh, during one of the breaks in the play, on top of the world like Van Halen. <laughs> that was his, his I mean, it, it, his contract was flat out embarrassing. Uh, the Adrian Gonzalez contract uh, that was terrible. Uh, the Carl Crawford yeah. contract was yeah. terrible. Yeah. Gonzalez averaged like seven home runs a year in Boston. <laughs> what yeah. is going on with that guy? And the Carl contract or the Carl Crawford contract was maybe worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think it's just and plus plus he he missed out as well on John Lester because he didn't want to pay John Lester. So Lester ended up leaving and going to uh uh well or no he got traded he got traded to Oakland for uh oh I forget I forget who it was that they that they traded uh Lester for but um. Needless to say, it, you know, it's like John Henry has been burned on so many big deals so many times yeah. that it's like he has the two two of the best hitters in baseball right now at their respective positions in Rafael yep. Devers and Xander Bogart. And for some reason, he doesn't want to commit the money to both of them. To either one, I should say. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're you know, using not, X versus Y versus Z, uh, I'm giving the money to uh, Devers. He's better than Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I'm definitely giving it to Devers, especially if Trevor's story – I mean, there's been, there's been speculation that Trevor Story's arm may not be uh, good enough to be a shortstop anymore because uh, some people oh. claimed that he lost, that he lost uh, some throwing power in his arm. I don't know how true that is. But, yeah. um, I mean, I could see Trevor Story – uh, replacing Bogarts at shortstop, and maybe they bring sure. up, uh, maybe they bring up, I don't know, Nick York when he's ready 
to take over at second base, or maybe they put uh, Jeter Downs permanently at second. I don't know. But um, oh, that's another thing, too. Trevor Story is actually on the injured list for at least the next seven days. So um, Jeter Downs, for the time being, is going to get uh, the starts at second base. But, yeah, uh, definitely Rafael Devers. If, there's, if I had to pick between the two, I would definitely yeah. give it to Devers, uh, the money. On, on the but yeah. the problem here is they're both represented by the same agent, Scott Boris. Scott oh, Boris God. has had a horrific history with Boston. With, with most uh, in terms yeah, he's, of, he's in, in terms of negotiations. And I think he also represents J.D. Martinez as well, too. Uh, uh, he's off, you know, he's I off. just – Devers has said he doesn't want to negotiate during the season, and the same thing with Bogarts. The thing that really kills me, though, is that Boston lowballed them so badly that he, they lowballed the both of them so badly to the point of where they said that they were off by by triple digits in terms of millions. Mm. So that right there tells me Boston has absolutely no shot at keeping either one. So Bogarts, I feel Bogarts has to be traded. And honestly, I mean, Devers, obviously you have one more year with him. I think he has to be traded. Before you have one more year with Devers before he becomes a free agent, but considering, you know, more years of team control means you get a higher package. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against sending out both Bogarts and Devers this, this trade deadline. If, well, if it's I basically think, confirmed I, I think that to. they have no shot. They're, they're floating around in like the middle of nowhere. They're obviously not going to get there. They have to cut bait and sell a little bit. Yeah. I mean, especially especially if if they have no shot at all of re-signing either one. It makes sense yeah, exactly. to trade them while their trade value is at their highest. Of course. And, and that's, that's a, yeah. it's not a fun job. It's not an easy decision. It's not something you love to go to bed thinking about, but that's the job of yeah. the GM and the ownership. If someone's about to leave, get something before they go. Exactly. I mean, with Mookie, I, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that if they do trade him, that we're going to have another Mookie situation. But, uh, you know, I mean, they screwed the pooch with Mookie uh, acquiring. They could have had – they got like they got like nine pennies to the dollar. They got totally assaulted on that trade. That was a horrendous trade. They could have they could have had in a three. It would have been a three team deal. They could have had Bruzdar Gratterall come back to Boston as part hey, of the deal. Now Gratterall now Gratterall is a huge part of that L.A. bullpen because L.A. decided to take him instead of Boston. And really, the only serviceable player that Boston even got out of that deal was Verdugo. 
who was MLB ready. True. So, I mean, you know, for, for a guy who was considered to be the best player in all of baseball, and literally that's all you get for him, I mean, I don't know. That that kind of scares me. Like, what could a Xander Bogarts or a Rafael Devers package bring in return? If if literally that was all you could get for the best player in baseball. I don't know though. It's I don't know either. I, I I'm not too I'm not too optimistic. I'll put it that way. I'm just I'm just fully expecting that we're probably going to uh it's probably gonna be a lot of years of pain moving forward yeah. for uh Red Sox fans. But one thing that mm-hmm. may also throw things into flux is Juan Soto. With Juan Soto rejecting a fifteen year four hundred and forty million dollar deal from the Washington Capitals. As I said in the beginning. Or not Capitals. What kind of a jackass would do Nationals. that? Would have made him the highest paid player in all of baseball history. Yeah. And you turn it down. And not just that, you know, he isn't set to hit free agency until 2025. And from what I've been told, supposedly – it will take a Herschel Walker type trade to pry Soto from oh Washington. Okay, that's I right now. Much for him. The Yankees, uh, uh, sorry, the Mets uh, drafted his young. They signed his younger brother. He's already. They're, they're trying to bring like the whole Soto family to New York. I'm not pulling mm-hmm. a James Dolan move. If he wants to go where I go, that's cool. But don't no, you go, don't go James Dolan. Don't. No. Well, no, he's an absolute free agent right now, obviously. Yeah, he's but he's ready to go. Sick. Don't give him too much because he can go to you if, if he likes you. He'll just go for free. But James Dolan's an asshole. So now pretty much every team is going to be trying to bid for the rights to get to, uh, to land Juan Soto, who apparently is going to take the biggest deal in Major League Baseball history – to acquire him. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, right now he, I don't he's batting 250. I don't see, I don't see I, it. Either. I'd rather give that money to Aaron Judge. I don't know. Soto's really great. He's he's had a pretty subpar season. You haven't noticed. Yeah. I'm not I mean, selling the farm for that guy. Two, 250, 19 homers, and 42 RBIs. Honestly, you know, Big judge whip. judge Big has whip. almost double that. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I here's here's the thing. I that's why I don't understand the fourteen or the however many year uh, offer that he had on the table. If anything, Judge should be getting that type of offer with the with the numbers he's putting up. But you know, then again, this is the same team that uh, that offered Davey Martinez, their uh, their manager, a uh, a contract extension. So you know, 
what am I to say about uh about what the na- what the Nationals uh, want in exchange for Soto? I mean, granted, you know, maybe maybe the huge package that they want in return is because he he doesn't become a free agent until 2025. So, you know, maybe perhaps that's the reason. But I don't know. It's with with, with Soto, it, it it just it doesn't make sense why team, why the Nationals should expect teams to basically yeah. clear out their entire prospect pool and probably probably a couple of major league players would have to be involved in the deal as well you know i don't understand why teams feel that they need the uh, why uh the Nationals feel that they need to that they need that they need to command so much Unless it's because it's the whole team control aspect of uh, of his contract. Yeah. I mean, hell, Mookie Betts was the best player in baseball, and all, yes. all uh, the Red Sox got for him was three players. That's it. So to to say that that Juan Soto is going to that the Nationals are going to command a Herschel Walker type trade for Juan Soto. I just don't see it. Mm. Neither do I. It just uh, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever from uh, from either perspective. Uh, now we did have one huge surprise. Honestly, to me, it's a it's a bit of a huge surprise considering he just got an extension. Uh, Charlie Montoyo was fired this week as yeah. the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, granted, uh, granted, the Blue Jays right now are sitting at forty-nine and forty-three. Not bad. Still, they're, still, they're in the wild card, and I don't understand why they're getting rid of Montoyo. When, I mean, yeah, the, you know, at the time of his firing, they were 15 and a half games back of the Yankees. But come on, the Yankees are ahead of everybody else by that same margin. Right. And, I mean, they're, they're above 500. Okay, yeah, they're fourth place in the division, which still is respectable. And I think extremely surely he got fired, especially as you gave him a contract. So what the hell is up with that? Yeah. I mean, he was given a, uh, I believe it was this offseason, actually, he was given a contract extension. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, On April 1st, he signed a contract extension through the 2023 season and included team options for 2024 and 2025. Uh, And he was fired on the 13th after a 2-9 and stretch, saw his team lose their hold on the last wild card spot. And they fell to fourth place in the AL East, which now belongs to Boston. But I, you know, this is this is a, a club, or, or no, this is a manager who went ninety-one and seventy-one last year, and yet they finished fourth in the AL East with that record. And at the time of his firing. 
he, uh, they were 46 and 42. And you mean to tell me that this is on the manager? Is it really? I mean, they did lose quite a few players from last season's roster in free agency. So I don't know if I would really say that this is all on Montoyo. No. But uh, John Schneider, who had been serving as the bench coach, uh, he now takes over officially for uh, the rest of the year as the interim manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. But, I mean, right now it seems like they're on track to potentially make the playoffs. I mean, I would put more stock in them making the playoffs than I would Boston. So, you know, it's – then again, though that ALE, that ALE, the bottom, uh, you know, the the apart from the Yankees, the, it's so tight between Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, and even Baltimore, who are now two and a half games back of the wild card. Uh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore is on fire. They Baltimore will love. They, they will. They will love stealing a wild card at the end. Trust me, Baltimore's on fire. It, it is. Uh, it's shocking to begin with that they're even above 500. They have a great young lineup, and they're finally getting a little bit of pitching. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely very shocking. I mean, they're they're nine and one in their last ten games as well. So, um, I mean, obviously. Yeah, obviously, you know, the the division is out of reach, but they can still at least potentially uh, leapfrog the Red Sox, maybe maybe potentially leapfrog uh, Toronto and get into the wild card. But, yeah, it's uh, – going back to Montoyo, it, it just – it doesn't really make sense to me why, why uh, Toronto – would move on from him when he had literally ha- he had them on the cusp of making the playoffs last year. If it wasn't for a last for a last day of the season type of uh, ordeal, because mm-hmm. literally that's what it came down to. It came down to the literally the last day of the season that they needed a certain thing to fall to fall a certain way in order for them to make the playoffs. But regardless, though, Montoyo uh, has officially been Mm. let go. Uh, Bad news for the Tampa Bay Rays. They will be without their star, Wander Franco, as he's expected to be sidelined five to eight weeks uh, with bone surgery on his right wrist. Shit. And so now he'll be on the shelf until at least mid-August and in all likelihood probably a bit longer. So now Taylor yeah. Walls uh, will fill the shortstop duties. But still, I mean, that's a, huge, that's a major hit for, for well, Tampa, who currently right now is on top of the wild card. My man, my man, Steve. <laughs> They're, you're, they're already missing their, like, captain, the, the double-play partner, uh, Brandon Lowe. Rays have been murdered by yeah, injuries all true. year. 
That's true, Half yeah. the roster's injured. Half the roster's injured. I mean, Tampa Bay's lucky that they were able to sweep Boston. You know, they were, they're lucky that they were able to face a team like Boston uh, that's so easy to beat. And they were able to sweep them and pretty much climb to, well, actually, let me see. Who has the, yeah, they're at the top of, yeah, they're at the top of the wild card right now. It's Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto right now for the wild card. Yeah. With Boston right on the outside, followed by – oh, wait, I'm going into the NL East now. Uh, it's it's Boston on the outside, followed by Cleveland, who absolutely smoked Detroit today. Um, and then Baltimore. So, you know, Baltimore's not that far behind in a uh, potential wild card scenario. So they could, they could very you know. easily sneak up on everybody else. Uh, let's see. We did also have uh, some, oh, actually uh, one other bit of injury news. The Texas Rangers, they ended up placing their catcher, Mitch Garver, on the 60-day injured list, which will effectively end his season after he underwent surgery to repair an injured flexor tendon in his right forearm. Uh, So it requires a six- to eight-month recovery time frame. frame. So he will be expected – or he is expected to be ready for the start of spring training next year, but – uh, he is finished with the Rangers this year with 10 homers uh, and a 207 batting average for Texas. Um, now, we did have the star lineups officially announced. Uh, the New York Yankees, of course, are tied with, uh, I forget what other teams, uh, but they had six players named to the all-star team this year with uh, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. They also got Jose Trevino. They have uh, Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, and Clay Holmes, who has emerged as their uh, their closer out of the blue uh, this season. The Mets, I believe, are pretty pretty well – represented as well I think they got Pete Alonzo they got Jeff McNeil uh, Starling Marte they have any pitchers Edwin Diaz wow DeGrom didn't make it this year injured ah okay that's why that's why well Alonzo is going for his third home run derby Yep, yep, that's right. Alonzo's going for his third home run derby, and uh, they are actually joined by Albert Pujols as well as Kyle Schwarber on the National League side this year. Um, I don't think – have they named the full full list? Yes, but there's been some replacements due to injury. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, let me see. So they got – okay, actually, they've named the brackets already. So in the first round, we will have Schwarber against Pujols. 
We'll have Juan Soto against Jose Ramirez. Uh, we'll have Pete Alonso against Ronald Acuna Jr. That could be potentially trouble for Alonso if he wants to try and make it three in a row. Uh, and you have Corey Seager against uh, Julio Rodriguez in the first round. Honestly, you know, I, I mean, I understand Pujols. You know, they're doing it as more of a uh, celebratory thing because it's his final year. Uh, kind of like how they did for Miguel Cabrera, where they named Miguel Cabrera to the all-star team as well as more of a uh, celebratory role, which I guess that's what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, every year, they're going to have a celebratory all-star from my understanding of that whole thing. Uh, you know, honestly, looking at this at this field, I'd I would say maybe the favorites would have to be Alonzo or Schwarber. Alonzo. I don't know though, because Schwarber is is the uh, the leader in the National League, I think, right now in homers. But uh, we do we do have uh, we do have JB joining us. JB, did you get a chance to watch the UFC today? I did. I missed uh, I missed uh, you know some of it because I forgot what time it was actually on, and all of a sudden I looked like on uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I looked on my uh, you know cable uh, thing and. I was telling my wife, said it's on now. I gotta go in my bedroom and watch it. So uh, I mean, we had we had a couple, we had a couple of freak finishes today too. Oh yeah, yeah I know it. Well, but her, I, I mean, mean of all, Burns tearing his ACL. Of all of all the fights, uh, you know, over overall. Uh, Overall, I thought it was a uh, good uh, day of uh, fights. Uh, there was only four decisions. The rest were, right. you know, submissions, technical submissions, uh, knockouts, technical knockouts. Yeah. Yeah, they gave out seven bonuses uh, for $50,000. For tonight, for uh, today's fights, I think that might actually yeah. potentially be close to the record. Yeah, I know they gave out a lot. Uh, what was it last week or the week before? Week before it wasn't. It it wasn't seven, but uh, you know there was a lot of bonuses. Uh, you know, and tonight I was even looking on the. Uh, Usually it has on uh, Wikipedia uh, they showed the uh, bonuses. And when I looked earlier, uh, they didn't show it. So I thought, well, I don't well, know. Well, the, the, bonuses, the bonuses went to Dustin Jacoby uh, for his knockout of Da Eun Jung. Uh, 
They also they also went to uh, Bill Algio for his injury finish of Herbert Burns. Um, let's see. Ricky Simon got one for his uh, knockout of Jack Shore, which which handed Jack Shore his first professional loss uh, after uh, through seventeen fights, six of them in the UFC. Um, Punaheli Soriano got one for a knockout of Daucha yeah. Lungiambula. Um, yeah. Let's see. Leeging Leon got one for for a knockout of Muslim Salikov. And Amanda Lemos got one for her submission victory over Michelle Waterson, as well as fight of the night going uh, for Matt, Matt Schnell versus two, yeah, versus two Muda Muderji, I believe his name is. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I didn't I get saw to that, watch most I of saw it. The, I saw I saw that one guy get like a. Oh, what was it? Like a dislocated uh, shoulder? I forget who it was. Yeah, Ortega, Brian Ortega. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. The uh, yeah. main event. Main event. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a freak uh, a freak shoulder uh, dislocation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know it's it's even it's even worse for for Brian Ortega because usually he's it's very rare for him to uh, for him to suffer a loss. I mean, the only two times that he's ever been that the fight has ever been stopped for him was because of either a doctor stoppage or a knockout. Or I shouldn't even call it a knockout; it's a, it's a shoulder injury, but they call it yeah. a TKO. Which basically he dislocated it, I think, when he was trying to get out of the arm bar. So right, you know, this is a point we brought up earlier, JB. I want to get your thoughts. You know, when an injury like that happens, and when like when he's trying to get out of the arm bar and he dislocates his shoulder, should that be considered a TKO or should that be considered a submission? Uh. Wow. Uh I would say a TKO really. Because, because he, he really because he, he really wasn't uh submitted. Uh you know, he I guess they consider a submission uh, you know, when you you know, tap. Right. They say either tap or snap. <laughs> yeah, true. That was that was way back when uh oh who was it busted uh one of them guys uh arms and you could see it just crack and that's oh I uh, I love watching that though mm-hmm. Yeah especially Frank in Mir. slow motion Frank Frank Mir, Frank that's Mir. right when he when he did when he did it to uh to uh Rodrigo Noguera when he did to yeah. uh to Big Nog when he uh I think what what was he applying? Was it a 
uh, I forget I forget the exact I forget the exact phrase for it, but he was applying some sort of arm lock, and he ended up basically. He ended up breaking, pulling, pulling that he, sucker he ended, back, and you could just see it kind of break. You could see it snap. And I, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and I think it was Herb Dean that was uh, officiating the fight. And he it was, he yeah. stopped it right then. <laughs> it was. Uh, we do have some bits of news uh, for the NFL in particular. Uh, on the Deshaun Watson situation, it sounds like uh, they're aiming for at least a four-game suspension when it comes to Deshaun Watson for his uh, for his allegations surrounding all the sexual assaults that he supposedly had committed. Um, however, also on the Deshaun Watson uh, side here. Mm-hmm. The Houston Texans reportedly settled claims with all 30 women who alleged uh, that individuals within the Texans organization knew or should have known of Deshaun Watson's conduct. And the settlements were officially confirmed by attorney Tony Busby, who represented all the women. Um the lawsuit had claimed that the Texans enabled Watson's alleged behavior by, by providing rooms set up for him at the Houstonian Hotel, massage tables provided to him for private massage sessions, and an NDA provided to him from the head of Texans security. I mean, that right there is completely jaw-dropping, the fact that uh, a team – would try and would try and help their star their star player or in this case their star quarterback. Uh, obviously, they probably didn't know that this stuff was happening. You know these uh, these potential assaults were even happening. But yeah. the fact that Houston was basically it, this basically sets Houston up as an accomplice, essentially. If you want I mean, my uh, opinion, if you want my opinion, I think Houston knew what was going on because they wouldn't have provided all that shit, uh, you know, knowing what was, uh, you know, going on and everything. I mean, if they didn't know what was going on, why would they be providing that stuff? Well, when I say when I when I say when I say they knew what was going on, I uh, or whether or not they knew what was going on, I mean that they they probably they probably uh, set it up to where he could get massages for you know for uh, to keep it to keep himself yeah. in shape. I don't think they were aware that he was committing. He was trying to commit sexual assault. So okay, yeah. I, Lou and uh, and Alex, what are your guys' thoughts on on this? You know, the fact that Houston uh, had been basically called out by these women for enabling back to Sean Watson. Yeah, I I heard about that. Yeah, the the whole thing has just been you know completely it's been completely baffling. 
I mean, if anything, that could do potential damage to the organization as a whole. Oh, well, he already has done to find out that. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I, you know, just, the, just the fact that, just the fact that they were associated with this whole thing, especially if they knew what Deshaun Watson, that you know, honestly, they they probably could have easily been taken to court. Just like the uh, the the women were trying to do to Deshaun, to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Well, I think that's why they settled out of court, so they didn't have to, uh, you know, go to court and pay uh, more. They thought, well, well, we'll we'll settle for you know less than or- what we would pay. Yeah. You know what's weird? What's weird to me though is that it seems like the the Houston Texans case was more of a side case, in that their main proje- their you know their main directive was to get money out of Deshaun Watson, not out of the Houston yeah. Texans. Oh, yeah. So, I, I I don't know if maybe perhaps Houston just agreed to this settlement just to just to get it out of the, you know, just to get it out of the way and not have, not have it lingering over, over the organization, you know, with the, with the season uh, movement coming up here. But if anything, I think it makes it worse. It makes it look even worse. The fact that they actually settled with these women pretty much tells it pretty much brings out the signal that they knew what was going on or they were at least a part of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's something uh, I, I know for a fact that there's been a lot of uh, Bengals in the past that have had, uh, you know, their their yeah. rap sheet has been long. <laughs> and I know for a fact that the Bengals organization wouldn't have, you know, done something like this. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what makes it so much more appalling is the fact that the fact that Houston actually had to settle with all 30 women, it sort of makes you believe that they were a player in all of this. Yeah. That's what all it right, makes Alex, you think. Alex, what are your thoughts? Alex, what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, he might be away from the phone, actually. Uh, it says here he's still connected, though. Um, kind of like I blew we'll his Yeah, he had a good we'll bathroom. We'll get, <laughs> we'll, we'll get his thoughts when when he comes uh, when he comes back. Um. The next bit of information I have from the NFL here, uh, according to a letter that was sent to the House Oversight Committee, an attorney for commander's owner, Daniel Snyder, has said he will testify before the committee on the 28th of July after stonewalling congressional lawmakers for months as they investigate the culture of sexual harassment and the Washington organization's supposed financial malfeasance. It looks like he is finally uh, 
he is finally agreeing to testify uh, despite the oversight committee saying that they would still issue a subpoena for, for Snyder, which, a move, uh, which was a move that Snyder's attorney complained about in the letter saying that Snyder would finally testify via telecom, uh, teleconference in late July. Uh, as a spokesperson said that they, the oversight committee refuses to take yes for an answer. Uh, Snyder is no longer involved in the day-to-day operations of the franchise. NFL owners have reportedly been counting votes to remove him uh, as owner of the Washington Commanders, though his concessions to testify before the oversight committee could relieve some of that pressure. So, I think now, you know, they they already talked with uh, Roger Goodell about this uh, uh, in front of the in front of the committee. So maybe now we may finally get answers to, you know, the honestly the the first big story that you know launched all these dominoes all around the league. Yeah. You know, that eventually led to John Gruden's firing, among other things. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder, could we potentially be op- finally opening Pandora's box here? And mm-hmm. maybe there's – if he testifies, because keep in mind, you know, he can't lie in front of the committee. So if he testifies under oath, he's going to have to reveal – a whole bunch of stuff. So that uh, that could be potential uh, potential popcorn television to watch. Maybe. Hmm. Hey, I was just reading Danny Patrick's ex-boyfriend Ricky Stenhouse. Puts up his uh, house, puts his house up for sale in North Carolina. $16 million house. For Rick 9,986 square feet. For a, for a guy who couldn't win a NASCAR race for shit? Yeah. Speaking of NASCAR, uh, Apparently, there was a, a former NASCAR driver by the name of Bobby East who was found stabbed to death. Uh, yeah, I saw, to, I saw that. According to TMZ, he was found stabbed to death at a California gas station. Uh, they said the SWAT team then executed a search warrant at an Anaheim area apartment yesterday, two days after East was stabbed, where... Uh, officers were informed that his killer may have been holed up, and during the raid, uh, his killer was reportedly shot and killed on the scene as the police were trying to arrest him. A guy by the mm-hmm. name of Trent William Millsap supposedly mm-hmm. killed uh, East after East got into a war of words with him while the race car driver was pumping gas. Uh, it wasn't clear what exactly sparked the argument, but Millsap allegedly plunged a sharp object into the chest of East. And East was then rushed to a local hospital where he was then pronounced dead. 
at the age of 37. Wow. <laughs> uh, we did it. We did have some retirements. Uh, well, actually, no. Before the retirements, I, I I should get this out of the way. Uh, finally, the Patriots no longer have to deal with Nikhil Harry taking up space on their roster, as the Chicago Bears officially acquired Nikhil Harry from the Patriots in exchange for a 2024 seventh round pick. So they couldn't even get a seventh round pick for this year. They had to wait until 2024. So that right there should tell you what uh, what type of value Nikhil Harry uh, may have even had, if he even had value to begin with in the uh, in the NFL. Granted, a change of scenery may potentially do him good, but uh, the Patriots save a little over one point eight million dollars with this uh, with this trade here. And also, I believe this is kind of interesting. Uh, Rob Gronkowski has supposedly supposedly said uh, when he was a char- when he was speaking at a charity event in Boston this week. He has supposedly said, I am done with football, period. Uh, When asked if a call from Tom Brady would change his mind, uh, he said he would take the call, but I wouldn't go back to football. No. So it seems like Rob Gronkowski is officially 100% retired. That no, uh, literally nobody... Uh, giving him any uh, any type of offer is going to convince him to get, to go back into uh, into uniform. So I thought that was I thought that was kind of interesting, considering uh, the fact that normally all it takes is a call from Brady, and he and he's the first one to jump up. But now I guess not. Uh, Speaking of retirements, we did have three specific retirements around the NFL this week. Uh, free agent cornerback Jason McCourty announced his retirement from the NFL after 13 seasons, uh, originally drafted in uh, with, the, with the 203rd overall pick of the 2009 draft by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he spent eight seasons in Tennessee before he had a one-year stop in Cleveland, followed by three years in New England with his twin brother, Devin, and then a final season in Miami last year where he ended up missing about half of the season due to injury. Uh, a career 173 games played, 18 picks, uh, nine fumbles, or nine forced fumbles, and he also broke up uh, a career 108 passes. Uh, also on the retirement list, we have Richie Incognito, who is a former yeah. offensive a former offensive guard for the L.A. Rams, the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, and uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Officially announced his retirement after 15 seasons, retiring as a member of the Raiders, while originally being a 2005 third round pick of the Rams. He, of course, is most notably known for uh, his mistreatment of teammate Jonathan Martin back when he was Mm -hmm. with the Miami Dolphins. 
Uh, he was suspended for the entire 2014 season because of that mistreatment. Uh, he made one Pro Bowl in Miami, then signed with the Bills following his year-long suspension, only to make three straight Pro Bowls while in Buffalo. Uh, he briefly retired in 2018 before he returned in 2019, spending his last three seasons with the Raiders. Uh, he did start all 164 games he played in and was a four-time Pro Bowl selection throughout his career. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen, Mitchell Schwartz, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns, has officially announced his retirement after 10 years. Uh, he was limited to only six games due to back issues in 2020, and he spent mm-hmm. all of this past year as a free agent. Uh Previously, he was the 37th overall pick of the 2012 draft by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, He had his best years in the league after arriving in Kansas City back in 2016, where he earned first-team All-Pro honors in 2018. Uh, He was also a second-team All-Pro three more times while he was a Kansas City Chief. Uh, He remained one of the best right tackles in football until his back problems became a primary issue. And that's basically what essentially ended his career was his back issues that apparently he's still suffering from as, as of today. Oh, wow. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. Trying to look and see. I don't think. Oh, actually, actually, no. There was one. Uh, going back to uh, to baseball for the All Star game, there was only one Cincinnati Red that made the All Star team. Uh, that being their eighth pitcher, Luis Castillo. But uh, you know, there there have actually <coughs> there have actually been a couple of injury replacements. Uh, first off, uh, J.D. Martinez yep. of the Boston Red Sox will replace Jordan Alvarez, uh, who, at, who had originally made the all-star team as a reserve. Uh, Santiago Espinal of the Toronto Blue Jays will replace Jose Altuve, who I believe they said was dealing with, a, with some sort of hand injury. Uh, let's see. Bryce Harper was replaced by William Contreras of the Atlanta Braves. So he will start in place of Harper. However, uh, his roster spot, though, goes to Garrett Cooper of the Miami Marlins. Uh, Jake Cronenworth replaced uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr., uh, officially announced today, uh, Cronenworth from the San Diego Padres. Austin Riley from the Atlanta Braves replaces Nolan Arenado of the St. Louis Cardinals. And Carlos Rodon of the San Francisco Giants replaces Josh Hader. And Tyler Anderson of the L.A. Dodgers. I don't know who he replaces on this list. Um, Lou, is there there a National League pitcher who's injured that was named to the All-Star team? Yeah, there was. Um, I got to look it up, but there was a National League. Uh, I think it was from the Giants. 
So he would be replacing Rodon then. Rodon, yes. Okay, so Anderson replaces Rodon, who was supposed to be replacing Josh Hader. Uh, and this has actually gotten a lot of criticism that, you know, some people believe that there were other candidates that should have been, uh, that should have been named to the all-star team ahead of Tyler Anderson. Um, you know, some notable names, uh, Zach Wheeler from the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, is not on here. Uh, Aaron Nola from the Phillies is not listed. Uh, I know I definitely have a gripe. I feel that uh, jo- that John Schreiber should have been named uh, from the Boston Red Sox, but the problem is you got to have uh, you got to have at least one representative per team. So uh, one of the uh, representatives was a reliever, so that means no no spot for Schreiber on the uh, roster. Um, well, let's see. The, the starting lineups for the American League, you got Vladimir Guerrero at uh, first base. Vlad Jr. obviously is – Vlad Jr.? Yeah, Vlad Jr. Yeah. At, uh, at first base. Uh, originally, it was going to be Altuve at second, but uh, he, of course, is out. I do not know who is going to start at second, though. Uh, because, I mean, uh, what's his name? Espinal took his spot, but Espinal is a shortstop, so I don't know who they'll give it to for second base. Uh, oh, I think it might be Andres Jimenez from the Cleveland Guardians that will start at second. Um, Tim Anderson from the Chicago White Sox is at shortstop. Rafael Devers from the Boston Red Sox is at third. For the outfield, you have Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees, and you also have Mike Trout of the L.A. Angels. Uh, Alejandro Kirk is the starting catcher from the Toronto Blue Jays. And Shohei Shohei Otani will be the starting DH, and he will also be a pitcher as well for the American League. Uh, For the reserves, you had Jordan Alvarez, who is not going to be playing because of injury. Uh, you had Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians, Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers, Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees, Luis Arias of the Minnesota Twins, Andres Jimenez from Cleveland, George Springer from Toronto, Byron Buxton from Minnesota, Andrew Benintendi from Kansas City, who, by the way, he's probably going to be a trade uh, a trade target uh, for the uh, uh, what's it called the trade deadline for multiple teams. Uh, Xander Bogarts from the Boston Red Sox, Kyle Tucker from the Houston Astros, Julio Rodriguez from Seattle, uh, and of course J.D. Martinez from Boston and Santiago Espinal from Toronto. Uh, on the pitching side, you have Justin Verlander from Houston, Shohei Otani representing LA, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez from the Yankees, as well as Clay Holmes uh, from the Yankees. You have Shane McClanahan from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. You have Alex Manoa from the Toronto Blue Jays. Framber Valdez from Houston, Martin Perez from Texas, 
yeah, go figure. He leaves Boston, and then all of a sudden he becomes an all-star when he uh, when he joins Texas. Go figure. Um, Paul Blackburn from Oakland, Emmanuel Classe from Cleveland, Gregory Soto from Detroit, and Jorge Lopez from Baltimore. Now, that seems like a pretty good uh, a pretty good All Star team, but honestly, you know, I'm looking at the National League and I'm kind of thinking the National League might have the edge here potentially mm-hmm. when you take a look at this roster. I mean, at first base, you got Paul Goldschmidt from St. Louis. Second base, you originally had Jazz Chisholm, but he is—he has been pulled. Um, not been confirmed who will start in place of him. Uh, Harper, obviously, was supposed to be the DH. He will now uh, be replaced by William Contreras on their roster, on their starting roster, which, by the way, uh, this yeah. is now – the first time uh, they'll be the first brothers, both Atlanta's William Contreras and Wilson Contreras, who is the Cubs uh, starting catcher. Uh, they'll be the first brothers to start on the same all-star team since Roberto and Sandy Alomar did it back in 1992. A long time hmm. ago. 30 years. A long time ago. Yeah. 30 years. Ago. Yeah, really. I was so young, man. Um, you, got, you got Trey Turner representing the Dodgers at shortstop, uh, Manny Machado at third for the Padres. Outfield, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves, Mookie Betts for the Dodgers, and Jock Peterson for the Giants. Uh, like I said, Wilson Contreras at catcher. And DH, it originally was supposed to be Bryce Harper, but now it will be William Contreras. Uh, for the uh, for the DH spot, the reserves you got Albert Pujols and Nolan Arenado from the Cardinals, but Arenado has now been pulled because of injury. Uh, you have Pete Alonso from the Mets, along with Jeff McNeil also from the Mets. You got CJ Cron from Colorado, Dansby Swanson and Travis D- uh, Diarnod from Atlanta. Uh, Kyle Schwarber from Philadelphia. You also have, let me see, Juan Soto from Washington, Starling Marte from New York, uh, Ian Happ from Chicago, Garrett Cooper from Miami, Jake Cronenworth from San Diego, and Austin Riley from Atlanta. Pitching-wise, though, you got Clayton Kershaw, who was just robbed of a uh, of a perfect game the other night with a leadoff double in the uh, eighth inning. Uh, you have Sandy Alcantara from the Miami Marlins, Corbin Burns from Milwaukee, Josh Hader, who has since been replaced uh, from Milwaukee, Joe Mantiply yeah. from Arizona, Luis Castillo from Cincinnati, Max Freed from Atlanta, Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers, uh, Joe Musgrove from San Diego, Edwin Diaz from New York, Ryan Housley from St. Louis. Uh, where am I? I am right. Yeah, here we go. Uh, David Bedner from Pittsburgh, 
Carlos Rodon from San Francisco, but now he has been replaced by Tyler Anderson, also from the Dodgers. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of think that the National League may have the edge here, potentially. Maybe. I mean, I know I know, pitching-wise, well, they have the better – yeah, but I, I think pitching, I think as far as pitching-wise goes, I know the National League has the edge in terms of ERA. But I think maybe hitting-wise, the obviously the loss of uh, Bryce Harper really hurts them. Um, I'd say hitting-wise, maybe perhaps the American League might have the edge. I mean, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you got Rafael Devers, you got Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton. That right there is five players who can launch at any moment. And plus Shohei Otani as well, you know, who can – you have at least six bona fide home run hitters on that on that starting lineup. Right. And it would have been seven if Altuve was able to play. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, I'd, I'd say maybe hitting wise, the American league has the edge pitching wise national league has the edge. It should be a very interesting all-star game, especially since the, uh, the winner gets uh home field advantage in the, uh, in the world series. So that's how, well, I, I believe that's how it is now though, isn't it? Or do they alternate? No. They alternate now. Oh, well, then why 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 have the need for an all star game then? You know that's what they did for years, but you know then they just wanted it. because what happened was in that twenty o two uh, twenty o two game that was played with high, they uh, thought like well we'll have to come with another idea now, so they thought just play for home advantage, but then they thought that was also kind of stupid because they got. Team with the best record didn't get, and that sounds, you know, they got shafted, so they just said, uh, the hell with it. Oh, that's right. It's the team with the best record in the World Series that gets it. Which makes sense. I forgot about that. Because I remember in 2018, the American League won, but yet for some reason, uh, Boston wasn't the. Uh, uh, What's it called? It was LA that had the uh, that had the advantage, that had a home field advantage. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I forgot to bring this up. Uh, turns out in the NHL, going back to the NHL, reports have surfaced out of Russia that Minnesota Wild star Kirill Kaprizov is reportedly a wanted man for allegedly buying a falsified military ID card back in 2017. <laughs> uh, so right now, currently, currently Minnesota is not worried right now, but Kaprizov is reportedly still in Russia. He is reportedly still in Russia, according to Wild General Manager uh, Bill Guerin, which... Mm. Uh, which is contrary to original reports that he had fled to the United States, he could be required to fulfill his military obligations after his exemption had reportedly expired on June 30th. As the Wild 
had requested that Kaprizov stay in North America this offseason, which obviously he didn't. He went back to Russia. So now, obviously, with everything that's going on uh, in the war over there right now, he may, if they find him, he may actually be forced to uh, to go back into a military service. Uh, let's see. I want to. I want to see actually because uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was or is on the trade market. Let's see. Uh, there is actually interest. Uh, it looks like the Islanders may be one of the front runners potentially for. Uh, mm-hmm. For Tarasenko, what it looks like here. Um, oh, I forgot to mention as well, uh, Lou. Yeah. You guys may have New Jersey may have lost out on Johnny Gaudreau, but they got a pretty good consolation prize uh, in the yes. signing of Andre Palat to oh, a five-year yeah. deal. That's what I was saying earlier. Palat, you know, you know, with the uh, with the Lightning two-time champion, so that was, I think that might have been the best uh, move we got. That's going to bring us some good offense. Now, granted, he hasn't reached the 50-point plateau since 2016-2017, but I think that might have partially to do with the fact that I think I think he was demoted down to the third line in yeah. Tampa. So you could potentially see Palat get back up to uh, 50 points or higher on this New Jersey starting lineup. Because I would assume he's going to be on the top two lines. I, I would be surprised if New Jersey puts him on the third line, making $6 million a year. But uh, last year he had 18 goals and 31 assists uh, for Tampa Bay in 77 games. So, he also added 11 goals and 21 points in 23 playoff games as well. Uh, actually, yeah, it says here he may get a chance to play on the top line alongside Jack Hughes. Uh, another thing as well, the Ottawa Senators made a huge splash during the draft by trading the number seven and number 39 picks, as well as a third round selection in 2024 in exchange for Alex DeBrincat from the Chicago Blackhawks, who has one more season left on his three-year $19.2 million contract, and then he is eligible for restricted free agency. He hit the 41-goal mark for the second time in his career this past season while producing a personal best 78 points in 82 games. This is maybe the biggest shooter that, or the biggest scorer that Ottawa will have had since the days of Daniel Alfredson. I mean, this is huge for Ottawa. And not just that, they also signed Josh Norris to an eight-year extension worth about $63.6 million. uh, And he produced personal best in every category while generating 35 goals and 55 points in 66 games played this year for Ottawa. So look out. I mean, in the, 
in the Eastern yeah. Conference, Ottawa, Ottawa and Detroit are probably the two teams that have made the most noise in free agency this year. Yeah, but what will they do when it comes time to, you know, that's the year I remember. True. I mean, they did also improve their goaltending as they acquired Cam Talbot from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for Philip Gustafson as well. Uh, Talbot had a 32-12-4 record with a 2.76 goals against average and a 91.1 save percentage in 49 games for the Minnesota Wild this year. So, I mean, they're improving on all levels. Ottawa is. So, I mean, yeah, you know, Montreal improved, but, I mean, they haven't improved. Honestly, they haven't improved uh, to the level that Ottawa has so far. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Ottawa potentially sneaks in to to the playoff picture this year. Well, I doubt that very much especially with teams around them having not really done that much in their, in their division. I mean, you take a look at, let me bring up the, let me bring up the standings actually here. You take a look at what certain teams have done. Uh, Where's, why is this all weird? I don't know why this is weird. Um, so you take a look at what other teams have done. Toronto, I mean, the changes they've made have been minuscule. Like, it's not really going to make much of a difference. Tampa, yeah. they lost a lot. So, that, I mean, that's a huge portion uh, of, of their offense. Uh, Florida... They lost Frank Vetrano, who was a pretty a pretty a pretty good goal scorer yeah. for them. Uh, Boston, they didn't really do much except get Pavel Zacha in exchange for Eric Howla, and they signed a whole bunch of other depth players for uh, for Providence of the AHL. I mean, it's possible that you could you could potentially see and and Buffalo, you know, Buffalo. Uh, they finished in fifth in the yeah. division, but Buffalo didn't do anything that much this off season either. So, you know, you could potentially see Ottawa and Detroit maybe potentially sneak in there. Possible. Uh, well, also with also with uh, yeah. Ottawa, they they sent Connor Brown to the Washington Capitals in exchange for a second-round pick in 2024. So, obviously, they had to do that in order to make room for uh, for some of their acquisitions that they did. But I right, needless to say, Lou, you know, this Ottawa Senators team isn't going to be the same team that went 33-42-7 last year. Obviously not, but still I'm not convinced yet. Uh, you know, not just that, but also Tampa Bay. They also lost Ryan McDonough. Uh, they yeah. traded him to the Nashville Predators in exchange for Philippe Myers and Grant Mishmash. And from from what it looks like, it looks like this was mainly a salary dump. Uh, but not, you know, 
not just that, but they also I don't know what was up with uh with Tampa and eight year contracts, but they they signed Anthony Sorelli to an eight year contract extension worth about an average value of six six and a quarter million. He had seventeen goals yeah. and forty three points this year. To me, that seems like a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch to give him an eight year deal worth about six and a quarter million per year. They did the same thing to Mikhail Sergachev, eight years, $68 million. Uh, he had seven goals and 38 points this year. And I believe there was one other person that they signed to an extension. I can't think of who it was. Uh, let's see. Wasn't Rick. Wait a minute. Hang on. Uh, I hate this. Tampa, 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 where are you? I mean, it you know, it's just it's just astounding the fact that they have signed all these long term deals, Lou, and you yeah. don't know if they're if they're gonna live up to the to, you know, that type of money. I've always I've always wondered about that, you know. You sign them all this and then when they get they get the ice or whatever uh, they're not all they're cranked up to be. So, what looks good on paper doesn't always translate on to the to the, the, um, to the field itself, as I've often said. Okay, the other deal the other deal was an eight year, forty one point six million dollar deal with Eric Cernak, hmm. who last year had one goal and twelve assists on defense. So. And you're signing him to an eight-year deal worth forty-one point six million. But then again, like I said, defensive con- yeah. uh, def- defense contracts are a lot different compared to offense contracts. Right. Maybe that one is a little more forgivable. But still, you know, it's they have uh, obviously they feel that they have an eight-year window because otherwise, why sign them that long? Right. Uh, let's see the Seattle Kraken. They made a pretty big uh, a pretty big splash, signing uh, former Avalanche winner or, or Avalanche winger Andre Burakovsky to a five year twenty seven and a half million dollar deal. Uh, which, by the way, uh, speaking of the Colorado Avalanche, do not rule them out for potentially re-signing Nazem Kadri. As Kadri is still a free agent, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, Colorado may not be fully out on him, as right. originally believed. Uh, also, it looks like uh, it looks like David uh, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron are expected to re-sign with the Boston Bruins. Um, I, I guess they're just basically waiting on certain dominoes to fall and certain certain contracts to be uh, to be moved or something before they officially sign. But all indications are that David Krejci will be coming back from the Czech Republic. I mean, he's living in Boston right now, actually, uh, right. and that uh, Patrice Bergeron will also be re-signing as well, which that actually further leads some credence. Remember when we talked about 
why the hell Bruce Cassidy was let go by yeah. Boston, it see, it sort of leads it sort of lends credence to maybe perhaps Cassidy lost the room. Yeah, that he lost the, the locker room basically. Um, this next deal though is a complete head scratcher. And maybe this shows just exactly, maybe it's not a good idea to sign massive contracts if you're, a, uh, if you're an expansion team. The Vegas Golden yeah, Knights, in a stunning trade, traded away Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for future considerations. This right here, Lou, is basically yeah. a gigantic a gigantic salary dump. Oh yeah. I passed it already last year, obviously. What was that? And that's the operative word, dump. I patch already last year, of course, ha- had had injury issues. He only played in 39 games, right. but he was nearly he was nearly a point per game player, though. 37 points, 19 goals, 18 assists, 37 points in 39 games played, and he was a plus eight. So he was one of the he was one of the shining parts of the Vegas Golden Knights last year. Um, but it, it's just stunning, Lou, the fact that. They were so far up against the cap, you know, the fact that they had uh, yeah. they had agreed to trade for Jack Eichel, who had like $10 million against the Eichel? cap, which further, yeah, Eichel, uh, from, uh, formerly from Buffalo. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, but why wouldn't you waste time on him? Well, because he's young, you know, he's, yeah, he's know, young and... I mean, they needed they needed a franchise centerman for the future, and they got that in Eichel. Hmm. I'm looking at Dylan Coughlin. You know, uh, good, good players, but always been on a lot of bad teams. He's had no luck with the Sabers at all. Yeah, and let's not forget the Sabers almost ruined his career by not allowing him to uh, undergo the surgery. That he wanted yeah, well, to undergo. They should never deny. They should never deny that. Yeah, it almost ruined his career, basically. Um, yeah, uh, the other player that came that went over to Carolina, Dylan Coughlin, uh, a second-year player, actually, uh, three goals, ten assists on the defensive line for the Vegas Golden Knights now with the Carolina Hurricanes. The kid is only 24 years old, and he's basically their replacement for Tony D'Angelo. So right here, I mean, Carolina made out like bandits. I mean, they lost a couple of pieces, but, I mean, they got two pretty big pieces here from Vegas for basically for free because every time they say it's for future considerations, the future considerations never really amount to much. Right. So, I mean, this is a ma- like, uh, this probably was the biggest deal that went down that left everybody scratching their head. Like what the fuck just happened? 
And it turns out they used some of that money that they cleared in the trade to re-sign forward Riley Smith to a three-year deal worth about $15 million. So that's what they did uh, with the money that they freed up from that deal. Uh, While the Flames lost Johnny Gaudreau, they did welcome back Nikita Zadorov uh, to their roster with a two-year, $7.5 million contract extension. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, they also added a pair of veterans, inking defenseman Justin Schultz to a two-year deal worth about $6 million, as well as goaltender Martin Jones to a one-year $2 million deal. I don't know why they would want to even take a shot on him, considering the fact they already have, uh, they already have two capable goaltenders as it is, with, uh, with Grubauer uh, being the uh, starter. Uh, let's see. The Hurricanes, they also added Andre Kasha to a one-year, $1.5 million deal, basically to be a depth forward, essentially. Um, let's see. Nico Sturm, formerly of the Avalanche, agreed to a three-year, $6 million deal with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, the Dallas Stars brought on Colin Miller with a two-year, $3.7 million deal. Uh, Nicholas Delorier chose the Flyers uh, signing a four-year, $7 million deal. So basically they signed a a fourth-line player for four years in Philly. Have fun with that. Yeah. I don't know if I would be signing fourth, uh, you know, fourth-line players to such a long, to such a long contract, but. No. Well, to, to each their own, I guess. Um, let's see. Oh, the Stahl brothers, they finally get a chance to play with one another. Uh, Mark Stahl signed a one-year deal at the veteran minimum with the Panthers, and Eric Stahl uh, is also headed to Florida on a professional tryout deal. I don't know why he needs a tryout deal, considering the fact that he's uh, – I mean, he's – oh, you know what? I don't think he played last year. That might be why. No, no, wait. Yeah, no, he didn't play last year. Okay, that's why he's on a tryout deal. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Red Wings general manager Steve Eiserman added yet another veteran player, inking Ben Sherratt to a four-year $19 million deal. Uh See, the Blue Jackets, they brought in defenseman Eric Goodbranson on a four-year, $16 million deal. Uh, Jan Ruta left the Tampa Bay Lightning to sign a three-year, eight-and-a-quarter million dollar deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Arturi Lekkinen returned to the Colorado Avalanche on a five-year, $22.5 million contract. Uh, let's see, who else... What else do we have here? Uh, Mason Marchment left the Florida Panthers to sign a four-year, $18 million deal with the Stars. That's actually a pretty, a pretty significant loss for Florida as well. Um, let's see. There's, I mean, there, you know, there's also a whole bunch of other minor, minor deals that have been announced as well. Uh, 
Brett Kulak stays with stays with Edmonton on a four-year, eleven million dollar extension. Uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov returns to the Tampa Bay Lightning on a one-year, two and a half million dollar deal mm-hmm. after spending a little bit of time in the Western Conference. Uh, let's see. Former Maple Leafs forward Ilya Mikhaev is headed to Vancouver yeah. on a four-year, nineteen million dollar deal. That right there, honestly, it feels like it's it's a little bit of a a little bit of a big price for Vancouver to pay. Although I don't know though, with twenty-one twenty-one goals, yeah, that's that's kind of worth four million, I think, per year. Uh, and. Probably one of the bigger trades as well, Carolina. So not only did Carolina acquire uh, Max Pacioretty for free, they also traded for Brent Burns from the from the yeah. San Jose Sharks. They got Brent Burns and Lane Peterson while send while sending Stephen Lorenz, Etu Makaniemi and a conditional 2023 third-round pick to the San Jose Sharks as part of the deal. So Carolina, obviously, is loading up for a potential run this upcoming year. I mean, that they are going to be stacked moving forward here. Uh, Veteran defenseman Nick Letty is heading back to St. Louis on a four-year, $16 million extension. Uh, Nicholas Alve-Kubel is joining the Maple Leafs on a one-year, $1 million deal. Robert Thomas agreed to an eight-year, $65 million extension with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Curtis Lazar has left Boston for... A three-year, $3 million deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, The Devils, they did also add to their blue line again, signing Brendan Smith to a two-year, $2.2 million deal. And Claude Giroux, here's another one too. Claude Giroux joined the Ottawa Senators on a three-year, $19.5 million deal. Honestly, you know, Lou, I completely forgot exactly how busy Ottawa was this week. Yeah. They, you know, at first I thought that they, that there's a possibility that they could be, uh, that they could sneak into the wild card. I think they could potentially be the wild card, not just sneak in. Yeah. Because they've definitely made the most. Uh, from this uh, from this past week, but anyways, uh, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, we yep. have about a minute left. Uh, thank you to Lou, JB, yeah. Alex, Good and Kyle for calling in tonight. Uh, a reminder to Survivor fans: this upcoming Tuesday night, we will have Ashley Arcaro with us from Survivor Samoa to talk about all about that season and having to live with a with one of the most notorious Survivor contestants uh, to have ever played the game, so be sure to be sure to uh, join us for that. And also, we will have the Challenge Recap Show next Thursday and the Big Brother Recap Show next Friday. 
if you guys haven't done so yet, subscribe on blogtalkradio.com slash AE or go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify by searching Missy AE. You'll get access to all of our shows that we've done and the shows we'll be doing in the future. So everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next or this upcoming Tuesday for uh, the Ashley Arcaro interview.